New York sports fans. My name is Danielle McCartan. Uh, I guess we'll call this one McCartan before midnight, I guess. I'm just the, uh, the super utility around here, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up till the stroke of midnight here in New York City and beyond. So whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now and throughout the next couple of hours, whether that be on your car radio, streaming from WFN.com, or on the free Odyssey app. And of course, we're here in the Big Apple, and Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. Go ahead, start dialing 877-337-6666 as if I had to tell you the phone number. You already know it. It's already pre-programmed. It's already in your favorites. And uh, as the Mets are in Camden Yards, as we speak, I will keep you updated on the score of that game as the show rolls along. As we glance in right now, Brandon Nimmo just hit a a double down the left field line. The score is 3-0 O's over the Mets in the top of the fourth. Of course, like I said, I will keep you updated on that. So, you and I, we meet again. But this time, for the first time on the other side of the 2023 Major League Baseball trade deadline. And uh, we'll we'll do a quick little analysis of of both teams here in the O because it's easier to do that when I don't follow a game. It's kind of like whatever I want to do. So I love doing both in the open to get both fan bases riled up that's my job it's new york sports talk about all the teams but um you know the yankees stood as close to pat as possible that's my takeaway and call him old mcdonald because steve cohen now has a farm e-i-e-i-o so the mets had a fire sale and don't let billy and epler tell you otherwise Remember when I was with you last Sunday afternoon, it was, and Paul told us that he's like, Danielle, got some brand new sound from Billy Epler. Do you want to hear it? And I was like, yeah, play it. So, of course. So it was like this hot off the press audio of Billy Epler telling everyone gathered before him in some, I think it was the the, the side uh, wall of the press conference room. And he told everyone with a microphone and said, this is a direct quote. It's not a rebuild. It's not a fire sale, not a liquidation, just a repurposing of Steve's investment into the club. My immediate reaction right here was to call BS on that because at that point, he had traded away the Mets' best reliever and their 1A, or I guess one, if you want to consider him 1B starter, in Max Scherzer. And that was Sunday. The trade deadline was Tuesday. And I maintained... All along that it was, indeed, all of those things that Epler said it wasn't. A fire sale. And lo and behold, just as you and I talked about on Sunday, Justin Furlander ended up being on the move, too. So here's a little math equation for you. Your best reliever plus your 1A starter plus your 1B starter all traded is does it, that, that equals not a fire sale? Make it make sense. And then, of course, you have Steve and Alex Cohen penned, or I guess typed, a letter to Mets fans that came out, I think it was last, I think I saw it last night, uh, late last night. But uh, Jeff McNeil, by the way, two-run home run to pull the Mets within one. Umpire has his hands up. Not sure if that, I didn't see it. Maybe that might be challenged. Let's see the replay as McNeil jogs back to the dugout. Mets are down 
three to two in the top of the fourth. Lots of Mets fans on on hand, by the way, in Baltimore tonight. They're showing them on TV wearing all all blue shirts and everything. So there it is. It's it's a, a pitch that kind of hung fastball. It looked like middle up. McNeil ripped it. Looks like down the line they they cut out of the replay. I'm not sure, but so the score is I am sure of that three two O's. So this letter that the Cohen sent down to the fans, parts of it I liked, and I like the honesty of this sentence. They wrote, we added several key pieces to our team, but things have not turned out how we planned. You are rightfully disappointed, and so are we. This is not where we wanted to be in 2023. It sounds like a poem, doesn't it? And so I like that. I like the honesty behind that. Uh, But there were parts of it that I questioned, like this. Quote, our goal is to be a consistent contender. The only way to do this in a sustainable way is to build a pipeline of high-caliber talent in our farm system that will fuel our major league team for years to come. Like, I question it because you went for it, man. You had the 2021 season and the 2022 season to really, you know, build the farm, but didn't really. You went for it. You went for it this year and in in all the years prior to this year. But, you know, I applaud the pivot. I do. I applaud the pivot. And I just wonder now, my next thought was, what's the impact on that quick pivot? Or what might the impact of the quick pivot be on these big name free agents uh, in in the near future? For when, you know, if if you're a big name free agent and you're looking at how fast the the Mets moved on from Scherzer and more apropos Verlander, I mean, Scherzer bought real estate here. He thought he'd be here a while, but, you know, as a, as a, as a big-name free agent, it, it doesn't look too stable to me at the moment. And I would be hesitant. Maybe they're going to ship me off in a year or two years if it doesn't work out. I don't know. Um, and here's another thing that I just did not agree with in that letter. Stephen Alex Cohen wrote, In a very short period of time, we have infused an unprecedented amount of top tier prospects into our system that would otherwise have taken years to accumulate. Now, the phrase top tier prospects, that's a major reach. And let me explain. As of today, which is obviously after the trade deadline, the New York Mets have exactly five players ranked right now at the time of the writing of this this letter, right? The Mets have five players ranked on the official, official Major League Baseball pipeline. Five. Three of those five were already there prior to the trade deadline. So these are the Mets' top-tier prospects, the ones that are within the the top 100 in the league. Three of the five that are now there were already there before the trade deadline. Parada, who is still the highest ranked one. I forgot the exact number. I think 30, late, late 30s, early 40s is where he's ranked. Then you've got Mauricio and Williams. Those are the guys that were already there. Then you've got Acuna, who's number 43, and Gilbert, who's number 67. Those are the only two new additions to this, this Mets top-tier pipeline. And I researched every single one of the prospects that the Mets got back this week. And... Listen, I know they're prospects, and and Paul Rosenberg gave a great you know um, 
opinion about something I had seen on, on Twitter earlier in the day. Ellie De La Cruz was not like ranked. He and look at what he's doing now. So you can't measure the heart of these men. You can't measure the you know the the will to win and the desire to succeed. Those are not measurable. But going by the measurables for these men that the Mets brought back, some of them are teenagers, by the way. I guess that makes them still men. I guess, but it's 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 it's. Let me say it this way. It, it's difficult for me to get excited about this absolute liquidation going on in Queens. That 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 went down, past tense, in Queens. You know, because I look at these these prospects, right? Mauricio, he was, according to Pipeline, and it's usually dead on, this MLB Pipeline website, because it's put out by the league. Mauricio, he was expected this year, 2023, but but where is he? I'm confused. And then, uh, then out of the five, Acuna's next. His expected arrival is 2024, yet he, he's only in double A, so I don't know. I'd be very surprised. Maybe a, an August call-up? I don't know. And and his, Acuna's official scouting report literally says he's blocked at shortstop by Lindor. But it says he can also play center field. Well, here's some news. He's blocked there, too. The Mets now better give him... A different position. Learn something different now. Not too late, like they did to Ronnie Mauricio, by the way. So, so far, Acuna, he's played three games in Binghamton. I don't know if they played today, but until, up through today, he's played three games. All at shortstop. I'm confused again. Is it just me? And then... You've got Parada and Gilbert. They're expected in 2025. And then Williams, who's only 19 years old right now, he's expected in 2026. Those are all the ETAs, according to the league, for the worthwhile New Mets. And can you imagine lauding this prospect hall when you've got a manager in Buck Showalter who is dead set against playing the rookies and a front office that still can't seem to find a reason to bring up Ronnie Mauricio? Imagine that. Imagine saying, look at all these prospects that we're never going to play. Now, I understand you could package them for, for you know, deals and things like that. But, I mean, what value do they have? I mean, there's only five of them in the top 100. And I still can't understand the up and down praise for the same man for tearing this down. And... He's the same guy that built up this mess. And then in the letter, Stephen Alex Cohen wrote, we promise you, we'll look, we'll, we will work hard to field a competitive team in 2024. Our core group of experienced players, including Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, and Diaz, plus supplementation in the free agent market will allow us to put together a formidable team next season. Okay, so let's wait and see, I guess. Because that's not really what your outgoing aces said in their introductory press conferences with their new teams for this season. Like, they were obviously both asked, Verlander and Scherzer, about, you know, the departure of the Mets and the direction of the team. And Verlander put it lightly. He was nice about it. And he said, quote, the direction I was told for next year, which... Is 2024. The direction I was told for next year was it wasn't going to be the exact same MO as this season, which was to fill every gap that you need with a free agent. 
That didn't work out, so why double down on the strategy? Okay, that's putting it nicely, I guess. Then you got Scherzer. He was way more direct. Scherzer said, quote, the team is now shifting vision. They're looking to compete now for 2025 and 6. 2024 was not going to be a reload situation. It was going to be more of a transition. They were looking to make decisions to compete outside my contract window. I said, okay, that's brand new news to me. And I transcribed this all, by the way. Scherzer said it was different than what I ever heard coming out of Steve's mouth. So there, there shows you the, the non-trust in the ability of Billy Epler, right? And, and Scherzer continued, he said, I, I was like, I got to hear this directly from Steve. So I had a phone call with Steve, and he basically articulated the same vantage point, And that was the new vision for the Mets. And so once it became official that that's the vision for the Mets, I said, yes, I'll waive my no-trade clause underneath those pretenses. That's from Max Scherzer. And, and guess what? I believe both of them, especially because Billy Inepler decided he was not going to comment. He declined to comment when he was asked about his plan after the trade deadline. So Mets fans, my message to you is, like at the airport, pack your patience. 877-337-6666. Let's go to, out to Tommy in Long Island. You're the leadoff caller of the night, Tommy. Go ahead. Hi, Danielle. How are you? How you doing? I love your energy. It's great. Thank you. Like, what I'm trying to say is, like, you know the Forrest Gump thing? Last like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what our pitching and uh, everything we do all the time. We never know what we're getting. Now, why are we getting... I would have kept Verlander, Sergio, I understand. But why did we get rid of Verlander? And now it's like a mess. It's like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they got rid of Verlander. I mean, next year, when you look at the rotation for next year as it stands right now. I mean, they they are, they backed themselves into a corner to there, have to There make is a no move. rotation. Yeah, it's it's Senga. I mean, it's it's Kodai Senga, <laughs> uh, Quintana. Uh, you hope yeah. he can. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of hope on that rotation. So they reference the core of players that they have coming back for next year, but but not one of them was was a was a was a pitcher. Like Danielle, can I ask you? I don't know off my head. Um, is there any free agency next year that we can grab in for our pitching? I mean. Yeah, Blake Snell. If they've black, they've backed themselves into a corner where they they have to get Blake Snell. I don't right. want any part of Urias. He's got a five ERA. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's ugly. It's ugly. I mean, of course, there's yeah. Shohei Otani, right? But who knows? Now the crap about um, um, Steve Cohen giving a letter to the you know the people that, who buy season tickets. Mm-hmm. Come on, are we buying this? Am I? Uh, parts of it, yeah. I like the honesty. I'm buying the honesty. Uh, yeah. I'm not buying at all the part about the top-tier prospects. I'm just not. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Neither do I. It's, it's like kind of pathetic, really. <laughs> so what do you think our, our move is forward? Uh, what are they going to do? What do you think? Yeah, Tommy, and thanks for the call there. The move forward is change out GMs. <laughs> that would be my first move moving forward. Um and just hope the new guy has has a good handle on on on. See, I I would have changed out GMs before this trade deadline. If if I'm bringing in a new regime, which everybody seems to think the Mets are, 
I don't understand why they would give the old guy the keys to the Ferrari to, to rebuild a Ferrari when you got someone else trying to drive it. Like, why wouldn't they they let you know stand pat as best as possible? I, I don't know. So I get. I mean, I guess the next move. I mean, the priority number one. I was thinking about this today for the Mets for next season has to be starting pitching. Has to be, and that's not going to come cheap. Can they get Otani? I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, next tier, Blake Snell. I you'd back yourself into a corner where you cannot go into next season with that pitching rotation looking as sorry as it currently does right now. You just can't, and and the league knows it. And that's not a great position to be in. Check in on the score here really quickly. Uh, Tyler McGill has thrown 81 pitches through uh, or two outs into the bottom of the fourth. The score is 4-2 Orioles with Rutschman at the plate. Orioles have a runner on third. And, and oh, and one more thing before we throw it to commercial here. You're going to want to follow me on, on Twitter. Uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I've got something for you that I know you're going to want. And that's going to be in the 9 p.m. hour. So if you don't have a Twitter... You've got about 40 minutes, 39 minutes to make one and learn how to use it. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Here is your fair warning. My name is Daniel McCartney. I'm taking more of your calls right here on The Fan. I told Connor to come with that back with this on purpose because I did hear... Uh, on the way in, Ricky Ricardo was asking for songs to describe the Mets this season. Um, I like the yesterday suggestion, but here, here's mine. All My Exes Live in Texas by George Strait. Because all of the Mets' exes, in fact, are playing in... Look, think about Scherzer. He's now with the Texas Rangers. Verlander with the Houston Astros. And then, yeah, I think way back... The Jacob DeGrom, guess where he is? Oh, yeah, the Texas Rangers. So that's my song that I would add to, to the conversation there, Ricky Ricardo. All my exes live in Texas for the New York Mets. 877-337-6666. Justin in Asbury Park is next up here on The Fan. Hey, good evening. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Quick question, though. If you're Verlander or Scherzer and you're making $40 million a year and your owner and or GM told you, yeah, we're going to be competitive next year. We're going to go for it. We're going to do this and that. Would you waive that road no trade clause? Like, because I wouldn't. I think Billy Bean should deserve some credit and you know was a little savvy and was deceiving, thinking that we need to get rid of these guys, offload that money, and we can't tell them we're going to be competitive or else they're going to stay. So I think they deserve some credit. But they're. I mean, are they going to be? Do you believe they're going to be competitive? It's hard with that roster. But All right, I mean, well, there you I go. So maybe there's not lying going on. There's not deceit going on there. Maybe they, they won't be competitive. I don't know. But how can we know for sure they're not going to be competitive, but also know they're not lying? Like, why is it okay to believe one thing and not the other? Well, I don't know. I, I'm just going on what my belief is. My belief is if they told them that they were going to be competitive next year, they would have stayed. And if they, and right, they, but I feel like you should also mention they both had no trade clauses. I did mention that. They both waived their no trade clauses. I read the quote from Verlander, I mean from Scherzer, who said he's, he, he said he agreed to waive the no trade clause. I said that. I missed it then, my bad. So I don't think they would have waived that then if they literally, if they genuinely thought they are going to be competitive. That's my point. Well, I think they're, it's a master class in, you know, PR, whatever you want to call it, or just, just being a savvy general manager. I think they deserve some credit. I, I disagree. 
I disagree. There, right. There's no master class that, that Billy Epler runs. Let's be honest. He, he had the two best players in the planet on his roster in, at the Angels, and he, they couldn't win. They couldn't make the playoffs. What master class is he teaching? I didn't hang up on him. He did. He hung up. I didn't do that. I just wanted, I always love to, to point that out. Now, you can argue, say, oh, well, just like he did, just like Justin did. Oh, well, you know, maybe they told him they weren't going to be competitive just so they could offload the money. Well, who gave him the money to begin with? You know what I'm saying? I, I just, I don't believe it. I, I don't know if the Mets are good. And then, oh, by the way, in that same, uh, that last Sunday, that same audio with Epler, you know, he, he was kind of already tempering fans' expectations for 2024. Oh, what? Why? Why? We're, how about we're going to be all in on 2024? We're going to make the necessary moves? I mean, that's what I would want to hear if, if my team actually believed it. Now that we are beyond the trade deadline. We are pushed all of our chips in for 2024. Here's our strategy. It's going to work. We're going to be perennial winners. You can't tell me that when you brought in guys that are in their teens with expected dates of beyond next season. That's why I believe Max Scherzer. When he says, the Mets told me I wasn't going to be competitive, that they weren't going to be competitive beyond my contract window. So that's why I decided to waive my no-trade clause. Verlander, he's... He's turned it around, man. He was 1.69 ERA at the deadline, something like that. Why would you want to offload him? I would continue to pay him. We're going to go to Kevin and Camden's up next here on The Fan. Coach, I am aggravated. I, I am livid because you you talked about earlier. You, you get a, you're lauding this prospect call, but you're talking about a manager who doesn't want to play these young kids. Yes. Like last night. I want to give you an example. Last night. David Peterson, you got a chance to show out for the future, right? 2024, uh, 2020, with the future, right, with the Mets? Three innings, 52 pitches? Or 56 pitches? Three innings? <laughs> uh, okay, can you explain that to me? He wasn't hurt. I cannot. He wasn't hurt. I, can, I, I like, cannot. What, what's the, I mean, the, the, this management, I mean, and Billy, I, I mean, come on. Just the, the Mets, I, I, I'm at the point, because you, you see him, Scherzer, you see him, Berlin, they're all out, and I'm just, the, 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 I, I just don't see it. And, and, and I read an article today about Mike Puma, and he was talking about Ronnie Mauricio's lack of interest in Triple A. What? The reason they're not bringing him up? Oh, come on. They that's keep what, that, that's what? one of the main reasons. That the Mets are concerned oh. about Mauricio's interest level. I was like, are you kidding? I heard a lot of malarkey, but that is, a, the, that is the one of the worst things. And Mike Puma is a respected man. Mm-hmm. I've missed to call him out, but I was. I, I've. I've I had to reread it when I was on hold. I was like, you got to be kidding me. No That's way. That's why this kid's not up here. What? They're playing my third base, they're playing my second, and then he's lacking. Like, you know, I, I, just, I just can't believe it. I, mean, I, I don't, don't believe it either. What's, the, you, you've what's, got, their, pl- what's their plan? Kevin, you've got a kid who's worked his way up to play at the highest level, and he's disinterested to, to make that's, the Major League Mets after the trade deadline in a season that's going nowhere? Exactly. And, and they're saying that he's not good in left field, that he's not good in second base. He's not going to well, you like, know what, Kevin? Are, are they do this on purpose? Yeah, they did. I they really didn't, they didn't tell him to play the outfield until June 3rd. They said, you know what? We're going to need you to learn an outfield position. Not in I, November. They didn't give him the offseason to work on it. I agree with that. And I'm just, I'm just, I just, I want to send you the link after I get off here. Yeah, please. But it's, it's just, the, there is no future. The wonder, uh, because I would too. I would too. You can't blame him. And the owner, and the ownership, please. I, I, I don't buy it because who are you going to sign? Aaron Nola? 
who's been horrible. There's like no. nobody's better next year. And I, I, I have no faith in this team. I have no faith. I'm just at the point. I, I'm not loyal because it's just it's the same thing. So look, everybody's wanting it. I want to win. I'm thirty. I'm gonna be thirty. I want to see a winner. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger. Uh, well, I know. And then, so, and then, Kevin, you got all the uh, – and thanks for the call there, Kevin. I love the, love the passion behind that. And then you got some guys that are like, well, 30's not that long, kid. Wait your turn. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I get it. I get the frustration. Because look at that free agent market next year. It's Shohei Otani. It's Blake Snell. He mentioned Aaron Nola, which is another name out there. Urias is another one. I, I'm not interested, really, in Urias or Nola. I'm just not. And uh, Tyler McGill, the bottom of the fifth inning, just gave up a monster shot to Santander. It's a solo home run for him. And I don't get this whole water-soaking thing in the outfield over there. Like, I, I guess that's the brain t- I was thinking about this last night when I was watching. I guess that's, like, the, the idea of, like, like, if and when they make the postseason, right? Like, say they make a run October. Who wants to get, wants to be, get sprayed with water in October? First of all, it's going to be freezing. And number two, you know, with iPhones and everything, I would purposely not sit in that section because I didn't. I wouldn't want to get my phone ruined. I think it's a silly idea. I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't like it. And it was not a lot of forethought by whoever came up with it because it's going to be real cold in October if they're playing till then. Which at this point, they're top the AL East. Why wouldn't they be? Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. We go to Danny in Hicksville. What's up there, Danny? Danny, you there? Danny is not there. All right, we go to Ray in Waterbury, Connecticut. What's up, Ray? Hi, Danielle. Great monologue, as usual, on the Mets. Thank you. You know, right now, you could say, with with all the subtractions, they're the worst team in baseball. The next two months, we're going to see ugly baseball. They're right there with Oakland and Kansas City. I, I mean, you know... I, I can accept that, Danielle. I mean, I understand what they did, but you know when 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 uh, Steve Cohen says that he's not going to go crazy next year because he got a lot of dead money that he spent uh, uh, eating up uh, yeah. Scherzer and and and, uh, and Verlander's contract. Well, he chose to do that. Oh, fine, right. Right. don't punish the Met fans. You got first of all, you're loaded with money. Don't punish the Met fans because you decided to eat their contracts. And and don't go to the free agent, uh, uh, you know the free agent uh, whoever's out there at the best of the market. Don't don't tell the fans to get a waiter two years because we we threw a lot of money away this year. Right, eighty I mean, essentially it's eighty eight million dollars that they spent on three prospects to get back in in the uh, in the Scherzer and Verlander deal. The the best of which is is Acuna, who's blocked by the way by Lindor at second base at shortstop. So maybe he switches to second base, but but. There's, what's the plan? Because in the three games he's played with in Binghamton, he's played shortstop in all three games. Like, uh, are they planning to move Lindor? I mean, what are they doing here? Move him now. Oh, they have no, they have no plan, Daniel. It's like they wing it all the time. That's kind of what you it know, sounds and like. And you know what? And you know what, Daniel? The bottom line is, go put out a good team next year. Don't tell. You know what? First of all, they lied. Uh, what Scherzer spilled the beans. They yes. didn't want it. They didn't want to say they're. Correct. they're you know, he, he he they wanted to buffalo us and tell us that it's not a rebuild, yep. it's not a fire sale, yep. sale. But then Scherzer blew him in yep. with his with his press conference. And I so believe Scherzer. Had to do a, yep. Yeah, and then 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 they had to do it like a turnaround. You know, they had to 
uh, you know, they had to camouflage all of that. Mm. The bottom line is go out and, and do what you did the last few years. It's not our fault you decided to, to eat that money. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and thank you for the call. Exactly. So while, while I believe in that letter, you know, the, the sentimentality of, you know, we, this is not where we expected to be in 2023. It sounds like a freestyle, but it's, that's what they wrote. I, I believe that. Because I believe the Mets, after coming off a hunt, think about it, a hundred and one win season last year, they had last year's manager of the year sitting in their dugout. They have the NL batting champ playing second base and outfield for them. I mean, why wouldn't they be a contender? Why, why, why would you expect anything else from this team this year? Now, as far as to go and say like, hey, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. I don't know, or next year, I should say, I don't know about that because I cannot. Look at that core of players in Alonzo and Lindor and McNeil and Nimmo and Diaz and say, this is, I mean, that's what, five players? That's a, that's a core of f- five starters that they're pretty good. And, and oh, uh, by the way, Alvarez. I think he's the most fiery men out there, Alvarez. So I, I don't know if I'd put him in the bottom, whatever, three in the league. I wouldn't do that. Because if, if they bolstered a bullpen for how many off-seasons in a row are we going to talk about this bullpen, right, that they don't ever seem to address, and now they have to address it and the starting pitching because they got nobody coming up. They're, they've backed themselves into a corner. If it were me, I would have left uh, Verlander on the team. I would have started next year with Justin Verlander as my ace because what they got back for him, Drew Gilbert, who was the, listen to this, the Astros' number one overall prospect they got back from Verlander, and Ryan Clifford, Astros' number four overall prospect at the time of the trade. But, see, I do my homework. I actually talked with the morning show down in Houston earlier this week, and they, in their own words, said, this is a quote, I took notes. They said, our system is not ranked very high, and they, like, kind of giggled. And the the one guy cited the fact that the Astros part of their cheating scandal penalties was they lost two straight seasons of first and second round picks. So to say, wow, look, look at us. We got their number one and their number four. Not really. Look at Gilbert, the Astros' number one prospect, right? He's he's 67th overall on the top 100 list put out by the league. His ETA is 2025. And then you've got Clifford. He's not even on the top 100 list. His MLB ETA, 2026. Yeah. Lots to discuss uh, about the Mets and their prospects and their prospects hall and just the direction of the team. My name is Daniel McCartan with you till midnight here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan in the summertime on this summertime Saturday night. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Daniel McCartan. I'm with you till all the way up till midnight. So we've got plenty of more time to dissect both this Mets team, this Yankees team. Maybe you want to talk a little bit of soccer. U.S. Women's National Team is is on at 5 a.m. in the knockout round, and it's not looking great for them. Uh, here's a report from John Heyman. Not a new report. It's an old report. Uh, but John Heyman reported that the Dodgers, quote, made an offer of multiple prospects thought to be about the value of Acuna for, uh, I believe, Scherzer. Uh, he added that the Mets obviously preferred one big-time prospect in Acuna, the brother of Brave Superstar, blah, blah, blah. So if they were going to get a better package back from 
the Dodgers, why didn't they make the move? Hmm? I've got on Twitter, at Coach MCCARTAN, special counsel is the name, but at Terry Cameron 21 says, the only solution for the Mets is no fans going to games the rest of the year. 500 people at a game would send a message to go on. So that never works. Those things never work. You can't rally people to not go to games. It's just never going to happen. So John Nuchero says to me, okay, well, you know, they took the opportunity to get prospects. Will they spend big next year? Depends on how things shake out. The direction is clear, though. And I wrote, well, $88 million for three prospects, huh? He said, you can't, you can disagree, but you can't say they haven't shown a dire- chosen a direction. And I said, well, fine. The direction for the young kids, then why not get kids that are going to make an impact next year? Why guys that are going to make it 20? There's, oh, there's one guy who's 17. What? 17? Come on. Uh, all right, we go out to uh, Hicksville. Danny is up on the fan. Danny, what's up? Hey, Danielle. Uh, thanks for having me on the on the fan. Uh, I called in earlier, but I think we got disconnected. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what's up? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the prospect return. Um, I heard you say something like we didn't get top prospects back for Scherzer and Verlander, but I mean, when no, you look no, at no, it, no, 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 no. I said, oh, I said overall. Now the Mets have five top prospects in MLB's pipeline, three of which were already there. Yeah, no, but you were saying you disagreed with Steve Cohen's remarks about having a prospect hall or whatever you said about that, right? He said they had a t- let me let me find uh, the correct uh, word wording here. He he called it top tier prospects. I called it a major reach. Yeah, I mean, I still think they are top tier prospects. I mean, when you're going to get two top 100 prospects in baseball, there's 30 teams out there. Like that's still top prospects in baseball, right? Two of them. One of them is expected maybe next year, Acuna. The next one's not expected yeah, until Danielle, 2025. The, the, two I mean, we traded, the two guys that we, we traded, Max Scherzer, who's clearly on the decline. Yeah, we had to eat his contract. We're going to eat his contract either way, and now we got a young top prospect. I disagree a little bit with the Verlander. I'd rather have kept Verlander. He still looks like he can pitch and everything. And we got multiple prospects like a, like rather than just one really good prospect like Acuna. But I still like Drew Gilbert as well. And we're going to pay down that $88 million either way, so – why not get something in return for the next two, three years after that? Because we already have Alvarez, like about we already Gilbert? have Brett Beatty, we what, already have Mark Vientos. What do you like about Gilbert? So like how, many, how many rookies are we going to have up at once? Yeah, hey, you got a manager who's not playing any of them, really. Uh, I mean, well, Mauricio, well, what he can do? Well, now he has to. Well, no, he's still not. Mauricio's still a triple-A. But what do you like about Gilbert? I mean, Mauricio's still no, no. a triple-A, but Mauricio's waiting on his... What do you like about Gilbert? I mean, Gilbert's the top prospect in the Astros. I heard you say something that the Astros don't have a great farm system. No, they still, told I mean, me that. The guys in Houston told me that. Yeah, but if you look at Gilbert, Gilbert's got a high ceiling. And he's a young, fiery guy. But what guy. do you he's like about him? You haven't have. been specific it's, in what you like about him. He's a young, fiery guy. He could be, who could become uh, something like Bryce Harper. A young, fiery guy. Yeah, that, that's what you hone, like about him? He has to hone that fire, fieriness. That's what they said. He has to hone that. Oh, that's what they said. Oh, I thought you did your own research on him, Danny. No, well, I mean, I look into what the, the scouts say about it, as well you did, too. I'm looking at the scouting the report right now. Right. There's nothing about being fiery written in the scouting report. Okay, I mean, well, I disagree, at least from what I've heard, especially on the fan. Okay, well, that's fine, but it's not my show. And when it comes to Ronnie Mauricio, I mean, you can't just call him up right away and expect him to play at the big league level 
in the outfield when he hasn't been doing it at all. I mean, we already, well, that's, we already well, that's have Gattis up here who's struggling to find right, a spot. Right, but that's a problem. That, see, see Danny, all right, Danny. So when people talk over each other, they turn into the view. So here's the thing. Vientos has a spot. It's designated hitter. Yet they keep going back to Daniel Vogelback time and in, time out, and time out. Just sit him on a bench. It's over. Done with. That experiment is over. Make Vientos the everyday DH. That's first off. Okay? Number two, there's no reason not to have Mauricio up here. Oh, you want to point to, oh, well, he can't play the outfield. Oh, really? Well, the Mets told him June 3rd that he should learn how to play the outfield. June 3rd! Two months ago! Where is the plan for that? You re-signed Jeff McNeil. Okay, at that point, I would have said, hey, Ronnie, you want to crack the Major League Baseball roster? Well, then, then you got to learn the outfield. Start doing some outfield drills in your winter preparation. They didn't. They waited until June 3rd to tell them. What are we doing here? I'm done seeing Daniel Vogel back out there. Done. Where's his future on this team? And the rest of them. Other than the core players. The Mets core. I want to see the young kids. They still have not committed to that. Still. Richie and Queens are up next on the fan. What's going on? Yeah. Um, yes, we spoke a couple of weeks ago that the team was going nowhere, the Mets. And um, I do agree at this point, what's the point of paying, playing Vogel back? It makes no sense. And everybody said all oh, year, Yankees and Mets, play the young guys, play the young guys. The young guys have really shown nothing. Alvarez is probably the best. Cabrera, you mentioned... Uh, Cabrera and uh, Peraza have been bust, and then with the Mets, Beatty is showing really nothing. I didn't say Cabrera and, and Peraza are busts. No, I didn't say that. No, you didn't. You didn't say you didn't say were bust, but you had some doubts with Peraza when he came back up. You felt that you know he wasn't really going to show much because he didn't show much in the minors. So I'm I'm saying I see nothing out no, of these I think, young kids. Richie, I think you're confusing me with somebody else. I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. He was on a tear in the minors before he came before he came up. Before they brought him back up. But we're not talking about the Yankees bringing up. We'll, we'll talk about Yankees coming up on the other t- side of this uh, this 9 p.m. hour here. But let's let's keep the conversation on the Mets. Where is Ronnie Mauricio? Where is he? And the only reason why Alvarez is behind the plate is because Narvaez got injured early on in the season. And they had to bring him up. They had to bring him up. And yet you, your top prospect is still catcher Kevin Parada. So what are you doing with what are you doing there? You're gonna have two young catchers moving forward. Is that how you're gonna do it? Are you gonna trade one of them? And if so, who it is, who is it? I mean, I guess these are good problems to have if you're Mets. I guess, but a bad problem to have is what's your starting pitching rotation gonna look like next year? All right, let's go to Teddy and Yonkers. What's up on the fan? You're up on the fan, Teddy. Danielle, great as usual. Danielle, I'm gonna be calm and saying this. I said this a month ago, and I said a couple of days ago, which I didn't tell you before. Mm-hmm. Danielle, the Yankees do not have consistent pitching. We Now we've lost Jermon. Severino, I don't know what's in store for him for the balance the bullpen. of the year. The bullpen's in store for him. That is bullpen. disgusting. And I don't know if he'll be back next year with the Yankees, okay? That's two starting pitches that are gone. I'm afraid, and I'm going to ask you your opinion on this, I hope Rodon doesn't turn out to be an Ed Whitson who couldn't pitch in New York, who was great when his, from his former team. I think he came from 
San Diego, if I'm correct. And when he came to New York, and he was very good there, and when he came to New York, you know what happened, okay? And Danielle Cole can't do it by himself, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, Nesta, he can't do it by himself. And Schmidt, he you can't count on Schmidt to be a, a top-notch pitcher at, at this level. Right, he hasn't so, had enough time. Right. And Danielle, final thing. Danielle, the Yankees are going to finish in last place. I hope I'm dead wrong. And I hope I have to do with me and Mayor Culpa. Mm -hmm. And I'd like for you to comment on everything. And Danielle, you are super. <laughs> Thanks, Teddy. Appreciate that. Uh, see, so he, he, let me comment on it. I think it's been a little over dramatic. And we'll talk about the Yankees coming up on the other side here. But I would have to say, I would have to say that uh, if you give me a short series with Cole as your one, See, you lost those two, fine. But Severino, bring him to the bullpen. That's fine. If you go into a short series with Cole as your one, I would do Cortez as your two. And Rodon, I mean, don't say I didn't warn you. That's a Taylor Swift line there. Um, but if Rodon is your three, that's not bad. The problem I'm more concerned with is the, the uh, inconsistency of the bats. And we'll get into that uh, coming up right after this. Uh, we got a quick break. Dexter Henry is here to give you an update, and I'll be back with you right on the other side of the 9 p.m. hour right here on The Fan. Epic music going on here for the epic 9 p.m. hour, hour number two of my show. My name is Danielle McCartan, and um, yeah, I'm just loading something very special up. You might want to uh, hop on onto my Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Epic music for an epic failure that happened, by the way, last Sunday. So if you give me a few minutes and I see all five of you on hold, I appreciate it. Um, I'll get to you in a second. Um, but I, I, I have to do this here. I have to issue an apology to you directly from both me and on behalf of a major current New York athlete in our city. And, uh, like I said, you might want to open up your Twitter account. Click follow right now because I've got something to give you. Last Sunday afternoon, um, as I walked out of this studio, I had been working for over a month before that date with the PR guy of a major basketball player in town. And I pre-submitted all of my questions as per request for a one-on-one -on -one extensive in-depth sit-down interview with that athlete. Not a single question was denied by the PR firm, which, you know, I, I I had some good ones in there. The PR firm didn't deny my questions. The player did not deny my questions. Not a single one, not a single question. So I'm like, yes, this is going to be great. It's going to make national news maybe. I don't know. So when I have big interviews like this, I called up my my trusty professional camera guy who even brought a, a sidekick this time, a helper, a sidekick. Uh, it was a very special occasion. And um, I could tell you now that I didn't get the interview, and I'll explain why, but the athlete was the big man for the New York Knicks, Julius Randle. And the plan was to do a sit-down interview followed by a little like informal Q&A type shoot around. And um, that's why I posted the picture last week of me playing basketball saying that I was shaking off some rust because I couldn't not show up in front of Julius Randle. 
So to make a very long story compact enough for radio with with the every phone line full, um, they're, they're, and they're waiting to to add to the show as, as best as they know how, and I and I appreciate that. So last Sunday I left here. I, I drove my way all the way across town. I met my two camera guys. I met the PR guy. I introduced myself to Julius Randall, and I shook his hand, huge hand. I shook his hand, and he was very smiley, very kind. And I said, "Hey, uh." I'm Danielle. I'm with the PR firm. He's like, hey, how's it going? And I said, how's the ankle? Are you ready for our shoot around? And uh, he said, yeah, feels good. Probably uh, end up shooting flat-footed. And I said, cool. And I said, I even wore my basketball shoes from high school. And I like pointed to my feet. And he laughed. And he was like, all right, talk to you in a little bit. Well, that never happened. The talk to you in a little bit part. Uh, Julius was insistent upon doing the interview for over 90 minutes while Nick's PR insisted against it, pushed against it. And now maybe it's just me, but I'm confused why this could not move forward because I remember Mr. Dolan, the the owner of MSG Sports, sat in this very chair in January and talked to the host of our afternoon drive show. So if eight months ago... The owner can sit in this very chair. Why can't I sit with Julius Randall to do a very nice, thorough interview? As you've come to expect from me, and rightfully so. I I was confused that day, and quite frankly, I'm still confused now. So after almost 90 minutes of waiting around, Nick's PR totally crushed it, and we all went home. All of us. And I, I, I have to tell you this. Julius Randall felt so bad about the entire thing that he signed some 8x10s for me to give out to you. So here's the first one. We're going to open up your Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, The first person to reply with the correct answer to the tweet that I'm about to send out is going to get an autographed Julius Randle 8x10. I'll pay for it myself. It's coming out to you. And here is the question. I just sent it. The question is, I want to make sure I have this all refreshed and everything so we get the proper winner here. question is, what is the mascot of the university that Julius Randle attended? The mascot, not the school, the mascot. So if you uh, go ahead and give me the right answer, uh, you'll, you'll get this 8 by 10 And that's, a, that's an apology. Um. You know, from me, because uh, I promised this this interview, and and from him, because he really wanted to do it, and unfortunately, we couldn't we couldn't do it. So, um, I realize there's a there's a delay. There's a little bit of a delay now, from from when I'm saying it. And there we go. We got we got our first answer here. Uh, is at Joey Lozito. All right, Joey Lozito, you are the winner. I'm text uh, typing you right now. Uh, could you? DM me your mailing address. And there we go. We got a happy customer here. Uh, so, Joey, you're getting an 8x10 signed by Julius Randall. And that as an apology from me and from him. Uh, I've got plenty more, plenty more to send out over the next couple of days all over my social media channels, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And, again, that's an apology from the both of us. Uh, Joey, please send me your mailing address. I'll get that in the mail probably by the end of the week. All right, appreciate to everybody that, that that's now responding. We have the winner, Joey Lozito, at Rams T-Ball Fan 95.
Anyway, 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. We go to Ryan in Manhattan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking the call. Hey, thanks for making it. Um, I am really concerned about the Yankees organization, um, just in how they're handling players. This goes beyond, like, the play. Just just how they're handling the players and, and handling the transparency and, and what's going on with those players. And back in 2019... Domingo Herman got drunk at a Yankees function, hit his partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the violence continued. He was suspended uh, for 81 games. Mm-hmm. And just this past week, he has a meltdown in the clubhouse while intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the quotes that are coming out seem to suggest that the players know that he's a different guy when he drinks. So Boone had to know that mm-hmm. he was drinking, and therefore Cashman had to know. So tells me that nobody's really keeping tabs on this guy. They let him apologize his way back onto the team in 2021, mm-hmm. and nobody's really followed up since then. They kind of just have watched this guy go back into uh, his alcoholism and haven't provided him uh, any help or getting him checked in before this meltdown happened. And, you know, that in a nutshell is pretty bad. But when it's combined now with the news that, you know, Rizzo had complained of brain fogginess. And they put him out there for three more games. Correct. Not to mention this injury happened on May 28th. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks earlier, Jose Trevino uh, revealed that he had been playing the entire season on a fractured wrist. Yep. What is going on, and why are they like this? I, I don't understand what they have to gain from not being transparent about player injuries and not monitoring player injuries. I, I want to think that it's not malicious, that it's just incompetence, but if it is incompetence, I mean, why not staggering incompetence? Yeah, I know. And, and, and Ryan, you are, you are right on. All of those scenarios, completely right on. Not to mention the fact of the the misleading of the judge toe. I mean, what is going on? What is going on? I mean, as far as Domingo Herman, I don't want to see that guy in a Yankee uniform ever again. The prestigious pinstripes, I never want to see him wear them ever again. I understand he's going through some stuff. That's great. Fix, not that it's great. I, I meant to say that that's great. Get the help you need. Let the Yankees do it. They, they're a first-class organization to be in that scenario, right? Get yourself right, and don't come back. Really. And Rizzo, I don't understand the mismanagement of that. That is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling of the mismanagement of Rizzo, especially being a coach myself and all the things that the kids at the high school level have to go through. It's, it's crazy to me that either the Yankees don't have to do that, the professional Yankees don't have to go through any of those baseline testings, or it was it was ignored. I don't know what the situation is, is there beyond the surface of what we've all been told. So you're right. You are right on there. George and Long Beans, you're up next on a fan. Hello? Hey, George. Yeah, yeah hi, uh, Danielle. Love your show. Thank you. Um, I just, it is extremely exhausting just to see these general managers, the way they manage uh, the Yankees and the Mets. Um, aside from all these injuries and but I can't it's, – it's really difficult to see a professional athlete earning 
so much money and all these long-term contracts not run the bases like Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, there's no way that the Yankees will win a playoff spot with players like this. I mean, I I just, you know, this one's on Cashman, and um, Cashman has looked um, the other eye in regards to all these long-term contracts. And now the game, as you know, the game has become more athletic. It's faster now with the new pitch count and yes uh, I, I mean just two quick examples look at the look at the Baltimore Orioles yep I mean they were in last place for a couple of years the Cincinnati Reds they looked into their um into into their um their high uh draft picks and their farm system but we're stuck with all these long-term players that past the prime and nobody wants to touch these contracts mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i mean that's the situation with the new york yankees and of course the mets as well with their trading and getting into these pitchers that are again cy young award winners we give them credit but they're past their prime so i guess well, but, I, I but george at the time i was behind both the scherzer move and the verlander move and verlander wow. has been coming out of it i mean honestly he, he's starting to look Maybe not today, but he's starting to look like he he did when he won that Cy Young. So you can't say you weren't behind the moves when they made them. Yeah. Um, it's just. I mean, he pitched well today as well. I yeah. Again. So, so you know, I think I think just I think um, it's it, it's very hard, it's very hard, and fan, it's hard to phantom and see these players run those bases that way. I, I just think that the Yankees have to get faster. They have to have they're more athletic. And we need to look into our into our draft picks and just have revamped the team. That's the only way they're going to make it. So well, yeah. I just wanted to uh, get your opinion on this. Yeah, uh, right. The Reds did it right. The, the Orioles did it right. The Rays always seem to do it right. Um, yeah, I, I think that the, the, the strategy kind of passed over Brian Cashman. The, the rule changes, you knew about them. It's not like you didn't know that they were coming. And I feel that, you know, they kind of doubled down on, on the same type of player, the Josh Donaldsons of the world. Like, how many bases did that guy steal this year? Like, the game is faster. The, the rules are tilted in the favor of the base runner. And that the Yankees have how many how, – on your one hand, you can count how many guys the Yankees have that can actually steal bases at a consistent clip. I mean, it passed them by. How does that occur? Because of these long-term contracts, of course, and and, and you know, and, and I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. It's just very disheartening. And, and and yeah, in the long term, I guess the Mets, if these guys end up panning out, and I'm not confident that they will, based on you know the guy who chose them. But hey, at least they're going in the right direction, getting younger, getting faster. Because the rules are going nowhere, nowhere at all. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six. 66. We go to Tim in Eastchester. You're up next here on The Fan. Hey, good evening, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Great show, as always. Danielle, first and foremost, I'd like to mention the passing of your ex-colleague, Rick Wolf. I love that guy. Mm -hmm. I love that guy. And my condolences to him and his family. We both shared a birthday July 14th. And so... um, uh, he's di- deeply missed, deeply missed. And I want to say something about him and you and the rest of your colleagues. I love the fact that you come into our homes over the radio, but you allow us to come into your homes by taking our voice. So thank you. 
Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for yeah. being part of it. It's really good. And, you know, my point tonight is, is talk about the Mets. <laughs> the money that they spent on those two premier pitches mm-hmm. was ridiculous. I mean, you, you know, I, I they were looking for that quick fix yep. to that nice run that they had to think that this would put them to the next, you know, the World Series and whatever. And uh, I, I don't want to say it's an understandable mistake, but it was a mistake. And, you and mean bringing in the what, pitchers? I'm sorry? You mean bringing in the, the two pitchers that they brought in? Yeah, yeah, big time. I, but big time. I, revi- that's revisionist history. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, Tim, we could take now that it might have been a mistake. Might have. Maybe. But at the time, there wasn't a single person that said, don't do it. There wasn't a single person. Everybody was believing that those are the last two pieces to a championship season. And especially Verlander, the last piece, coming into a team that won 101 games last year with all of the expectations placed on them. We talked about them before. So, no, like now it might not. I'm still not convinced it was a, it, they were bad moves. Really, I'm not. But now that the Mets have made the move, they moved on. What can you do? You have to get behind the, the, the what they actually did end up doing, and and but you can't say now that they were bad moves. They they were good moves when they happened. They were, and I, I don't recall anybody calling up here and saying, "Oh man, that sucks." No, everybody was ecstatic. They didn't plan on the parade. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Huh, I don't know how to tease this. I, I don't want to give this all the way away, but um, Connor and I are going to investigate over the break here a uh, a fight that broke out <laughs> at the uh, at a baseball game that uh, would leave uh, maybe Floyd Mayweather a little jealous. Stay tuned. I'm Daniel McCartan. We'll dissect that fight coming up next here on The Fan. All right, let me set the scene for you. It is fight night in Cleveland tonight. All right, so it is the, uh, it just went down. They're, they're trending all over Twitter. It was the, what inning is this? Let me see. Uh, t- bottom of the sixth, okay? Bottom of the sixth, 2-2 two, two count. The Cleveland batter, Jose Ramirez, smokes one down the line. Umpire indicates that it is a fair ball after a diving first baseman misses it. Bounces around in the corner. A run scores. Jose Ramirez slides into second base head first. Diving head first into second base. Tim Anderson covering the shortstop of the White Sox, covering second base, of course, applies the tag, a fine tag, uh, to to the, the belt, I guess you'd call it. I don't, maybe the butt, but the belt of Jose Ramirez. Now, the way he was standing, he was kind of straddling the base, and Jose Ramirez slid pretty much right through his legs. And the umpires squatted down to make the call. In my opinion, maybe a little bit out of position. So there, I, I paused it. Jose Ramirez, the helmet falls off. He's laying flat on the ground across the base through the legs of Tim Anderson. And he reaches up and, in my best guess, tries to punch the ball out of Tim Anderson's glove. That's my best guess. Instead, struck the inside part of his leg and kind of gave him, like, the what-the-hell kind of hand. So then Tim turns around. There's words exchanged between the both of them. Tim Anderson 
there's still as Ramirez is getting up, there's still words exchanged. Jose Ramirez sticks his finger in the face of Tim Anderson, and the umpire is right there between the both of them. And then they start yelling at each other. The umpire tries to push them both apart. And then, and then, Tim Anderson takes his glove off, drops his glove to the ground with the ball still in it. The umpire's like, I'm I'm getting the hell out of here. He actually runs away from the two of them, lets them literally, I'm, I pause it again, they are squared up. Tim Anderson versus Jose Ramirez are squared up at the second base bag in Cleveland. Ramirez dekes him. Anderson backs up and then fires a right-handed haymaker to the head of Jose Ramirez. This just happened just a little while ago. Ramirez goes down to almost the ground. Everybody's running in from every different angle now. The two of them are scrapping. And then all of a sudden, Jose Ramirez, you got to look at the different camera angle here. Jose Ramirez strikes Tim Anderson with a, let me see what hand it was, a right hand? Yes, a right hand to the cheek, to the left cheek. Right hand to left cheek, and Tim Anderson is out like a light on his feet. Like, literally. Like a fighter. Like a a UFC match just broke out. Or boxing match. He just, boom, punched him in the face. He's out on his feet. Ends up on his butt. And his teammates end up picking him off the ground. Ramirez is separated. Bench is clear. Bullpen's clear. And the scuffle. Fight night in Cleveland, man. That's exciting. Connor, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this happen. On, I mean, this is a boxing match behind second base in Cleveland. Baseball is trying all these different measures to get kids interested. They have the pitch clock. You know, they have the three batter minimum. If they really want to generate interest from casual sports fans, just allow the guys to fight on the field. Just allow them to fight. I mean, look at the trending topics on Twitter. Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez, KO'd, Jake Paul. I mean, they're already putting up a fight with Jake Paul and now Jose Ramirez. The most exciting thing to happen in baseball since uh, McGuire versus Sosa in the roided-up steroid ra- home run race. <laughs> I mean, this is something else. I mean, if this doesn't draw eyeballs onto the game of baseball, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what would. And I'm surprised at Jose Ramirez's punching power because he, he connects on the hit with Tim Anderson. But, like, it's not like he just totally drilled him. But he still knocks, he doesn't knock him completely out, but he knocks Tim Anderson to the ground. And it didn't look like he got him that good. So Jose Ramirez has a pretty good amount of punching power. I, I just watched it again. Also trending, KO'd, I think I might have said that, and dropped. 120,000 tweets say dropped in them. As great as Shohei Otani is, even he's not getting that kind of engagement. That's right. Yes. Even the Aaron Judge home run chase wasn't enough. No, this is far more popular. If you haven't seen it, I retweeted it at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. That is wild. That is wild. You would you would look at the two of them. I would think Tim Anderson would be the winner in, in a fight like this. Just, the, I don't know, just based on how he looks. Who are you picking a fight like this, Connor? You know, Tim Anderson probably seems like he would be the favorite. He's a little bit Bigger. taller. Yeah. But I think Jose Ramirez is more compact. And I would bet that he probably weighs about 20 pounds more than... Like, Tim Anderson's a taller guy, but I think he's very, you know, he's very skinny. Mm -hmm. So I I think if I did have to pick, I'd say Jose Ramirez. But I didn't think he would knock him out. (laughs) I didn't think he would knock him out. It's it's a no... I mean, we don't even have to make a decision. It it was a straight knockout. Unbelievable. You're going to see that all day tomorrow. 
Like I want, and if we can get to the bottom of this, that's the sixth inning. We should be still on air by the time this game ends. We're gonna keep our eyes uh, peeled for for what happened in this game. What what words were exchanged? Maybe you called them what Josh Donaldson called them. It's possible. I don't know. I don't know. No, he stuck his fan in his face, and that's when it that's when it erupted. That's when the gloves dropped. The glove, singular glove, dropped, and the umpire ran out of the way. It's a great moment in baseball. It's baseball history. This, yeah, this is gonna be an NFT one day. This is why you buy tickets to games, this right here. This is it. Yeah, the fans went nuts. Anyway, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Go ahead, do yourself a favor and Google that. That's it's great entertainment, highly entertaining. All right, in the order that you call, we go to Artie in Brooklyn. You're up next here on the fan. I want to know why am I dropping eighty four dollars on Spencer and Crawford when I could just get the baseball channel and get better, better action. That's right. Uh, next time. Actually, Danielle, I'm coming from. Uh, Hall of Fame, and let me tell you, Klecko is a class act. Yeah. I mean, I knew he was, but he is unbelievable. He he ran into Jet fans and didn't leave until he took every picture wow. and every signature. No and way. It's amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. It's just like, I couldn't believe it. I just, I, I couldn't believe it. Wow. Anyway, um... Did you get one? Yeah, it was great. Yes, I did, and like... I'm telling you, it felt like a jet, a jet home game. <laughs> there were so many fans, and I mean, so many Coleco jerseys. I mean, it must have been like ninety, not a shot on Revis, okay? But if if it was just Revis, I don't know how many people are showing up. To be honest with you, um, the, the love for Coleco is just unreal, you know. Yeah, and, uh, I, I mean, he waited long enough. It was well-deserved. I didn't see the speech yet. I was preparing all everything for the show tonight, but I will you know check what? it out. I, I'll be honest with you. I think Zach Thomas blew it away. He was the first guy. And Klecko, look, he, he's very emotional. I'm sure he was very nervous that it came out like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's like his strength is public speaking. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say, like, as far as just being a, a great guy, like down to earth and everything, which I didn't know, they went to him about the sack exchange, and he says, unless the four of us are in, I'm not doing it. Really? So that goes to show you what kind of, you know, person. He also mentioned about, like, he was the highest defensive player in 1981, Mm -hmm. $700,000. Wow. Can you imagine? That is unbelievable. And speaking of money, I wanted to to chime in on the Scherzer-Verlander thing. Yeah. Look, as a Mets fan, when, Rob, when they made that Robinson trade, I wanted to call you up and say, hey, is the Knicks and the Mets big in the same kind of trade? Because what the heck? That's what you got for Robinson? I know. The Phillies gave up, the Phillies gave up their top three prospects or something last year, and we're getting 13-year-olds from single A. And the same positions that we already got. They got a catcher and a shortstop, for God's sake. I know. And then the other, Danielle, I know you're, you're an athlete, so you explain to me, how can a shortstop? Cannot play second base at all. How do you go from being a shortstop to 17 errors? That's that's ridiculous. I think that's one of the reasons why they don't want to bring up Mauricio. Because how many DHs do we have on this Cleveland team? <laughs> that's the other thing. And the last thing is is that look, when you make a mistake and pay all that money to Lindor, he is overpriced. Guess what? You're paying him like he's your best player. Mm-hmm. Alonzo is your best player. And now you got to cough up the money and, and be honest with you, I don't think they're going to do it. 
I think they're getting all these prospects, and I think they're going to make a shot at either Donnie or um, Soto. That's my take. And then, last thing, Scherzer said they're not going to be competitive. How, with Cohen's money, how you don't go out and get the best two possible pitchers for this team? There's going to be a whole bunch of money left taking the season tickets back, and I'm one of them. I would not get season tickets if they go out and give me this pitching staff. I want Uranius, whatever his name is. Uranius? No, you don't. No, you don't. He's got a five ERA. You don't want him. Who do we want? we got to get two pitchers. Yeah. Who uh, do we want? Yeah, well, Otani won. Snell, two. <laughs> That's it. Gugliotti. What's that guy's name? The guy from the White Sox. I want him. Oh, G- Giolito? Giolito? Who? G- Giolito? Yeah, I want him. All right, Danielle, thank you very much. All right. Artie, I-, I love the passion there, Artie. There's so much there. Uh, G- <laughs> googly eyes. Googly eyes from-, from Chicago. Send him over in the deal, too. Yeah, the Mets are in trouble. Uh, there's, I mean, the Mets are in trouble. The Mets starting pitching rotation's in trouble. The Mets bullpen is still in trouble. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I guess it's too early to know, but at the top of the, the free agent market are, are Otani. Who knows if he's he's willing to move? I mean, the, the Angels pushed all the right buttons at the trade deadline this year, I must say. Uh, you've got Otani. You've got um, Snell. I would take a chance on Snell. Um, not a chance. He, he's a very good pitcher. I, would, I, I didn't mean to say take a chance, but I, I would I would go after Blake Snell for sure. From there, Aaron Ola. Mm, I'd have to study him a little more, but right now I'm leaning no. Urias also leaning no. I mean, you got to make a trade. And then who's available on the trade? It's just a lot. So the Mets, and and here's the thing. The league knows that the Mets cannot roll into next season with this starting pitching rotation and this bullpen yet again. So there's there's a little bit of a problem there. 877-337-6666. We've got Neil in Hawthorne. Hawthorne, New Jersey, Neil? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, thanks for making it. Is that the Hawthorne, New Jersey? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Cool. Um, yeah, so what I wanted to talk about is uh, I think any Mets fan who's been complaining about the moves the Mets have been making just does not understand sports, does not understand baseball, does not understand how lucky they are to have an owner like Cohen right now because he did everything he could last offseason to make the Mets a true World Series contender. Yes. And, yeah, the moves didn't work out, and look what he's doing now. But He's selling off what he can to get as much value back as he can, and he's ready to make a completely new run next year. Which is great, which is admirable, but he still has employed the guy who built the mess, and, and he's trusting him to rebuild it. Like, I don't understand that mentality. And how do you and, – and I disagree a little bit in the sense that, you know, in the offseason, he, he didn't put the best team out there. First of all, it's not his job to do that. It's the general manager's job. But everybody knew that team needed a designated hitter. Everybody knew that team needed a bullpen. Where where are they yeah, this season? I'm, I mean, I get that. There's always going to be something that you can say where, oh, he should have got this, he should have got that. But the bottom line is the guy picked up a, basically a completely new starting rotation, which is almost unheard of in the MLB. And, I mean, if you want to play comparisons, 
Look at look at the Yankees right now. I don't love playing compare comparisons. compare what the really Mets have done to the Yankees. The Yankees are in are in terrible shape moving forward. See, I don't like playing comparisons, and, and maybe that's a different host there, Neil. I, I don't like doing that. I like to talk about the Mets as their own entity and as the Yankees as their own entity. Um, I would say the Mets, but if you wanted to go there, the Yankees' starting pitcher rotation is better right now than the Mets. The, the Yankees' bullpen is better right now than the Mets. You've got, um, I think Aaron Judge is a better hitter than Pete Alonso. I mean, so we can, go, we can go do it, but I don't like doing that. The Mets made a decision on their direction. The Yankees made a decision on their direction. There are two different directions. And, uh, you know, I know the Mets have waved the white flag high above City Field. And uh, as construction, uh, as constructed, I'm wondering, and uh, the, the call's on hold here too, can the Yankees go on a run and make the postseason? I'm Daniel McCartan, and I do think that they can. We'll talk about this next right here at 877-337-6666. Oh, welcome back to The Fan. My name is Daniel McCartan. He is Connor Green, and we are here with you too. Midnight. Plenty of time to work with here. Um, we, we, it's crazy that the Mets are playing currently, and we've got a lot of Mets calls so far tonight. And now, for whatever reason, it, it's kind of turned to Yankees calls, which is great. I mean, I'm ready for anything. But I guess my question is, I guess a lot of Mets fans are, are not tuned into the game, maybe. I don't know. Um, but uh, we've talked about them uh, a, a lot tonight, extensively in their plan and all that. But um, right before my show started, uh, I, I checked to see what, what Fangraphs has as, as terms of like percentages or odds to make the postseason for the Yankees because everybody knows the Mets are not. The Mets are going nowhere. They're not making the postseason. So for the Yankees, um, as the Mets are in Camden Yards right now, Pete Alonso steps to bat. He's 0 for 3 on the night, by the way. Uh, the score is 7-3 to three in the top of the ninth. So barring any sort of miracle comeback, the Mets are going to drop this one to the Orioles. So, we'll, well, you know, keep my eye on it. There's no outs, top of the ninth. Anyway, so right now the Yankees have an 18.3% chance to make the postseason. That's not what you want to see. Um, and what you really don't want to see is the fact that they opened up with an 81% chance to make the postseason. So... <laughs> um, you got Aaron Boone saying shortly after the trade deadline, he, this is a great quote from him. And he said, this is our team and we got to figure it out with these guys. Well, he's got that right. So can this team as constructed make a postseason run? Like make a run to get to the postseason, I shall say. As Alonzo hits a double, Mets might be in business here. So can this Yankees team, as currently constructed, make it to the postseason? I think the answer is yes. I might uh, I might put this a- as a poll on Twitter as well. So at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N if you'd like to vote. Um, can this Yankees team, as constructed, make a make it to the postseason? Make it make a run to the postseason. I'm going to say choice one, yes, choice two, no. There's no maybe in my world. And I like short polls, so I'm going to make this like a 22-minuter. Okay, so can this Yankees team ask Chuck to make a run to the postseason? Send now. Okay, I think yes. For the first reason, I, I say some of these hitters are starting to get hot. Bowers, 
Came out of nowhere, basically. Guys hit four home runs in his last seven games. Stanton, finally, the streaky hitter that he is. Four home runs in his last seven games. Torres, Glaber Torres. I know it's a little sample size here, but Glaber Torres is hitting 500 in the month of August with two extra base hits and a home run. So over the past week or so, things have been looking up offensively for this, for this Yankees team. They're getting better at bats against better pitchers. And a lot of the times they were making these guys, oh, this guy's got an 8 ERA, but he shut down the Yankees. For a while, that's what was going on there. And then, I don't know, it's almost like you got a, a, another pitcher at the trade deadline because Nestor Cortez is back, and he's dominant. I know he doesn't hit the ball, but he's dominant. He had a season-high eight strikeouts today. And Aaron Boom, post-game, said about Cortez's return, is a quote here. He said, it's a huge lift. That's why we've been looking forward to getting him back because we know what he's capable of. And I think you got a glimpse of that today. So I'm happy for him, too. Because he did this in his first game back against the Astros. And when I rewind my you know life to last November, I, I interviewed him at Pop Century Collectibles in Oakland, New Jersey, and I asked him about getting swept by the Astros. Here's what he had to say. Getting swept in the ALCS. What did you learn about yourself and maybe you as a teammate and the team as a whole? Yeah, I mean, coming into it, obviously we knew Houston was a, was a tough opponent. Um, whoever made the least errors and the one who pitched the best was going to win. Um, and obviously they, they, they showed that through that CS and through the World Series. That's why they're the champion. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I think you can't get anything positive out of getting swept in the CS. Um, all I got to say is we, we just got to come out next year and, and, you know, improve that and make it better. Season high, eight strikeouts against the Astros today. Good for him. I'm happy for him. So, starters, bullpen, short series, Cole. I do Cortez next, then Rodon. Not terrible. And then the final point I'll make is if you check the schedule against the teams that are around them in the hunt, they have the chance to make up some serious ground. They've got six games left against Tampa Bay, four games left against Houston, six against Toronto, and seven against Boston. It's more than enough. So ultimately, it's as simple as this. Everybody knows this Yankees team was exposed as a non-postseason caliber team with Aaron Judge on the bench. And even with him in the lineup, teams can work around him. And if I'm the other team, I'd rather have Gleyber Torres beat me than, than uh, Aaron Judge. I say Torres because that's who hit behind him today. So on t on paper, talent-wise, yes, I believe this Yankees team has the talent to get to the postseason. In practice, unless the bats get going on a consistent basis, maybe Rizzo comes back, he's effective. I don't know, you might you might have to pack it in and start living on a prayer. I don't know, 877-337-6666. Steven Long Island wants to talk to us about the direction of the Yankees. Steve, yeah. what's going on, Steve? Ah, uh, came so close. The happy boy tweet. I blame the Aruba airport. The <laughs> airport and the Wi-Fi. Oh, no. Oh, you're traveling. You're the one that's in Aruba. Are you coming home now? Yeah, I, I'm trying, but there's delays everywhere. And I had the answer. I clicked it, and it took forever to send, and I was like eight seconds late. Oh, all right. Well, stay tuned. I'm Ra gonna... Randall's my favorite player, too, and I coach. Uh, oh, I'm going to be doing more. Maybe Instagram I'll get or him Facebook next, next. Yeah, but yeah, sure. So here's my Yankee question. I don't know if you know the answer. Can the Yankees offer Harrison Bader the qualifying offer? And if so, do you think he takes it? 
Harrison Bader, let me look up his contract. Contract. Let's see. So Harrison Bader, uh, arbitration year three. I don't think so because there's a, a cross out here. So I, I, my understanding is no, I don't think so. I think he's just a free agent after this season. So what kind of offers do you think they got for him, if any? Yeah, I know. That's a good question because, I, you know, you heard he was on the trade block and you saw at the at, during the batting practice show, uh, I think Meredith said that he, he walked by a bunch of reporters and he asked them, am I still on this team? So, so he was feeling it. I don't really know. I, I don't know. I, I would be curious to ask Brian Cashman that question. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Yes, yeah, so let's just hope we re-sign him or who knows. It's very complicated. I, I thought the qualifying offer would be in play. I don't know if the arbitration made a difference, but if you can find that out, I'll be listening as long as I'm in this airport, and hopefully we can find out. Thank you, though. Yeah, and, and thanks for making the call there, Steve. I appreciate it. I hope you had a, a happy time on the happy island. I'm not sure why there's so many delays. The weather's fine here. Maybe in Aruba it's not fine? I don't know. Connor, should we do one more? Or should we? What should we do? We're going to take a break. Okay, so we've got a quick break. Uh, Dexter Henry, I guess, is still on updates. All right, good. So quick break. Dexter Henry update. I'll be back with you right now. Talk a lot about the, the, the Yankees right direction, the Mets direction, following the trade deadline. Um, I asked on Twitter just a little while ago, um, very straightforward. That's how I am. Can this Yankees team, as constructed, make a run to the po- to the postseason? Once you get in there, you don't know, but can they get to it? I got 10 minutes left on the poll at Coach MCC ARTAN. I'm just rounding here. 60% of you say no. This Yankees team cannot make a run. 40% of you say yes. And the comments are hilarious. If you wanted to uh, read some of these, uh, Joe Echeva, he says, I don't know. Call me a fool, but I'm kind of starting to believe again after the last few games. Rod Benedendi's on the other side of it, and he says, nope, they are embarrassingly bad, incompetent from top to bottom. Um, so where do you fall on that scale of, yes, I'm believing again, to no, not at all, 877-337-6666. And the other topic we've been mulling around, mulling over tonight, is the fact that uh, the New York Mets, no matter what Billy Epler says, that it's not a fire sale, not a liquidation yeah, that's pretty much what it ended up being. You traded your best reliever days before the deadline. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't incite a, a, a bidding war for a guy like David Robertson? Hello? And you traded your 1B and 1A pitchers, however you want to flip-flop the two of them. So, yeah, you paid $88 million for three prospects. Yeah. And, and uh, th- uh, listen, when Steve Cohen writes that letter out, and he says, you know, we've got a, I forget the words, a top-tier prospects. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. We received top-tier prospects in the deals? Not exactly. Because you have five prospects in the top ten, according to Major League Baseball's pipeline, the, what the league puts out. The Mets now have five prospects in that pipeline, five in the top 100 across the league. Three of them were already there before the trade deadline. So you really only incorporated two more. That's a little bit misleading. 877-337-6666. We go to Paul and Yonkers. You're up next on the fan, Paul. Hey, good evening. How are you? Okay, fine. Thank you. Steve Cohen and the Mets management, I'll throw them into. Nobody has a clue what they're doing. None of them. Back in April, before the first pitch was ever thrown, 
the home run king is on the open bid to be, be, be bought. And they all decide, nah, we're not even going to make a bid. For judging. We don't, yeah. we don't want judge. Right. Three months later, he's paying $88 million to get rid of half of his team. Mm-hmm. And it's for 17-year-olds. That money should have went over San Diego, San Francisco, and the Yankees. And take a shot. Mm-hmm. Show your fans you took a shot. So now, next up is Otani, mm-hmm. and listening to the management, I don't think they're even going to go after him. I don't think so either. Two of the future Hall of Famers mm-hmm. on the open bid for Mr. Moneybags, and he's going down. I didn't even bid on any of them. Met fans, how are you doing? It's crazy. I, I know. I, I get it, Paul. The the crazy thing about the the judge thing that was crazy. And when you when you see pitchers that were outgoing, the Verlanders and the Scherzers, I mean, they had they had they had stuff to say. I mean, of course, they were asked about it. Verlander kind of sort of beat around the bush a little bit more, excuse me, than Scherzer did. Um, but I'm trying to find the quotes here. I do have them. Uh, Verlander said the direction I was told for next year was it wasn't going to be the exact same M.O. as this season, which was to fill every gap that you need with a free agent. That didn't work out, so why double down on that strategy? To me, then, taking your phone call into consideration, why double down on, on paying, what's Shohei Otani going to even cost? $500, $600 million? Why double down on that? The guy can get hurt, right? Then you're stuck You're stuck with the D.H. Well, that's a good problem for the Mets to have because they don't have a D.H., but... Why double down on that strategy was the quote from Verlander. And that's that was his takeaway. So will the Mets be in on Otani? I don't know. To me, like you, it doesn't seem optimistic to me if I'm reading between the lines. And then, of course, Scherzer was way more direct. He said, the team is now shifting vision. They're looking to compete now for 2025 and 2026. Next year is not going to be a reload situation. It was going to be more a transition in 2024. They're looking to make decisions outside of my contract window. Uh, he, and then he proceeded to tell a story about how he called up Steve Cohen on the phone, I guess because he didn't believe Billy Epler that that was the story. And then at that point he said, yes, I'll waive my no trade clause underneath those pretenses is his quote. So I don't know, man. Also, Shohei Otani has said repeatedly that he wants to go to a winning team. Repeatedly. Tell me what, what the Mets are winning this year. Tell me. The offseason, right? They're going to win the offseason. Great. Great. But if I'm Shohei Otani, I'm looking at this team and I'm saying, wow. They just they got Scherzer and Verlander in free agency. They paid him a boatload of money, so that did, couldn't even keep them there. And then they just shipped him off. Verlander after half a season. Por- a portion of which he was injured for. So to me, if I'm a big ticket free agent, I'm like, huh. I don't know about that. Scherzer bought realty, uh, you know, real estate in New York. If I'm Shehu Atani and I'm moving farther away than where I want to be, allegedly, onto the other coast, I want a little bit of a little guarantee that, you know, they're not going to pivot a year after getting me. But, hey, maybe that's just me. I don't know. 877-337-6666. We go to, to David in Long Island. Uh, yeah, we got you. What up, what up David? 
Hi, how are you? Great, how are you? Uh, first call ever. Nice. To a radio station. I love it, thank you. I listen, I've been listening to the WFN since they went on the air. And I've been a Yankee fan for 68 years. Uh, I think the Yankees absolutely stink. I think Brian Cashman is the worst general manager. He has won nothing. 2009 was Bob Watson and Gene Michaels' team, uh, along with George. If George were alive today, besides spinning in his grave right now, Cashman would have been gone a long time ago. For sure. But uh, Boone is terrible. Absolutely one of the worst managers I've ever seen. Can't handle pitching. Can't handle a pitching staff. Has not a clue. Now, Yankees actually, I really was enthused. I thought there might actually be a shot. Because at the trade, right, not at the trade deadline, because mm-hmm. the Cubs vacillated back and forth, mm-hmm. but before the trade deadline came, a couple of weeks before, the Yankees could have made this into a, not a good team, but a great team. How? They could have picked up the, how? Yeah, Bellinger from the Cubs. Well, he wasn't for sale. They, the, the Cubs took him off well, the market. He was. No, he they wasn't. They took him off the market closer to the... Uh, I think that with the right offer, they, the Cubs would unload it. I, I disagree. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the Cubs took him off the the market days before the trade deadline. They went on a seven game win streak, and and they they were buyers. They were not sellers, as everyone expected. Also, Soto apparently was also off the market. So when you look around, and thanks for the call there, David, when you look around at all the different options that the Yankees had for left field at that point, there weren't many. However, one player that could have helped them, and, and believe me, I, I've studied this, man. I studied this. A player that would have made an immediate impact, believe it or not, as an everyday left fielder on this team, Tommy Pham. Yes, he would have helped them. And considering what the Mets got back for Tommy Pham, which is a 17-year-old international pipeline prospect, ranked number 47 out of 50, with no timetable to get to the Major League Baseball level. I mean, that's that's nothing. I think the Yankees could have scrapped that together. So uh, I'm not sure. But uh, no, Bellinger was not an option. He was my number one. He was not an option. Uh, Hap from the Cubs was also uh, an option for me. He was my number two option. He was also not available. So, you know, they, they ran into some roadblocks, but but... Tommy Pham could have helped them out because I also compared all of these men, all these players' numbers against the the cumulative numbers, offensive output of you know of, of the cumulative eight nine left fielders that have started for the Yankees so far this season. And Pham had better numbers than the nine of them combined altogether. And I looked at like twelve or thirteen or fourteen different metrics, some advanced base running. I looked at all, fielding. So, yeah, so so there's that. But no, Bellinger would have been a perfect fit, of course. Of course. But he wasn't on the market. And I don't know how else to, you know, to say it. 877-337-6666. We go to uh, Chris in Manhattan. You're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Hey, what's going I know on? This, I know you've been talking a lot about the Mets. You know their their approach with the trade. I, without getting too far into the weeds, because 
I really enjoyed your analysis on that. I, I don't, boy, I don't really have an issue with what they did. But let, let me just say one thing about Scherzer, because I really felt that he did not, um, he could let us down in so many ways, and I was happy to see him go. A couple things, Danielle. Mm-hmm. The way he acted with the sticky stuff, his attitude, you know, oh, i got to go talk to the owners. we got to know what's going on. You're part of the problem. And you know what? He, he's acting like he's pitching 10 years ago. He couldn't deliver. His legacy here will be he never won a big game. And, like, bye-bye. Sorry. I, I, I didn't buy his act. I thought it was insincere, and I was kind of actually happy to see him go. You know what? I, I'm on the other side of that. I, I think the guy's an intense guy. I've talked to him before in the in the dugout when he was a Dodger at City Field. He's just an intense man, I, and I think, and he's not the only one that wanted to, to talk with upper management about what's going on here. Brandon Nimoda, Lindor went to Billy Epler as soon as uh, David Robertson was traded. Lindor went to him. There's a line outside this guy's door with Lindor, with Nimmo, with Alonso. They all want to talk to him. And, and yeah, Max Scherzer couldn't believe it. I, so he want, he said, you I, know what? I want to talk to ownership myself because I don't believe what's going on here. This is not what right, I was told. But, but what, what, did his, what did his intensity do for us? So Never won a big game when we needed him. Well, uh, yes. But maybe he's not okay. the 1A he was anymore. Maybe that would have been Verlander in this season. Right, I don't know. Right, but... But he's but he's acting like it. See, my point is like he's acting like he's that, but he wasn't that. So like I he just had solid. an issue with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we could agree to disagree here, Chris. I, I thought he was a solid pitcher for the Mets. Yeah, did he come up small in, in big moments? He did, and that's why they brought in Verlander, right? I mean, Verlander was to be that guy, one A to to Ver, uh, Scherzer's one B. That was the plan. Daniel, look, I hear you. I guess the way I look at it is like if you're going to sign those two year deals with yeah. high money. The reason he's here is to win a few of those big games sure. when you need him. And if he didn't, sure. then, then, then what's the purpose? He's getting one year older next year. Like, what What are we going to see? Is this slider going to be better next year or worse? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, I don't know. No, I don't have the crystal ball. I mean, if I had a crystal ball that could tell the future, I would be picking the, the mega billions numbers out of it, uh, honestly. And I, I, maybe I'd buy the Mets next year. I don't know. Danielle, I want you to have the crystal ball. You'd be unstoppable with the crystal ball. <laughs> Chris, I, I try to do my best without one, you know? I you do a big job, Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. See that? When, when people disagree, we could do it amicably. You know what I mean? If there's a respect, you could do it amicably. But, man, that, that mega billions. Oh, man, I keep playing. I'm a collecting for my team, my Phillies team. I'm like the official col- the money collector for my team. And um, I'm going out every other day to get the tickets and – I don't know. I like to I like to fill out my cards with like I'm not giving out my strategy. Get out of here. I'm not telling you my strategy. But I, I'll talk about my Phillies team if you'll indulge me. And no, I didn't pick the team name. They picked me. So stop with the angry tweets, okay? But um, I play on the Phillies in the the Upper Saddle River Women's Softball League, and uh, you know we just finished our regular season. We ended up being four four and one. And now when I post about my team on social media, everyone's confused by that last one. A tie. Yes, a tie. This year, unfortunately, we had to play it that way. We usually have a 10-game season. We played nine this year. The first two of our games were rained out. So in an effort to to make one of them up, uh, we played an evening doubleheader. The first one started at 6, I think it was. Yeah, it started at 6, and then we played another. So they were, they were two shortened games with on a field with no lights. So... The first game, we prevented the other team from scoring in the uh, 
in the bottom frame. So we ended up, you know, they had their winning run on third. And our left fielder, Christina, threw the girl out at home. And that's how we kept the tie. We were playing for the tie at that point. There were no extra innings because we had to start up the next game. And it was 100 degrees, 100 degrees that week. You remember that week. Was it last week or the week before? But uh, so we, we played the doubleheader, two shortened games. So after that first game, it ended up in a tie. And I was like, wait, what, a tie? And they're like, yeah, we have to start the second game. I'm like, oh, come on. So we lost game two of, of that. So we ended up being 4-4-1 in the regular season. Side note, I've talked about this before. Before I played in the Carton and Roberts and Evan uh, and Tiki and Tierney game. I got these new cleats. They cost me 50 bucks. They're white Mike Trout cleats. And I feel so fast in them. I mean, do you, re- remember when the night before school started when you were a kid and you put your new shoes on and you're trying on your first day outfit, got your new shoes. And my dad would, oh, he, my dad would say, wow, looks good. Now show me how fast you can run in those new shoes. And I would run around the house like, like a maniac. So that's how I feel in these new cleats. I mean, they're not new anymore, really. But I have hit four triples in our last three games. Never in my entire career have I done that. And I was a lot faster back in my day. Back when I was younger. So it's got to be the cleats. Thanks, Mike Trout. But I got to tell you, the other day, I'm in so much pain. On one of those triples, I slid. I was wearing shorts with no sliding shorts underneath. I slid at third base because I ran, I was blowing through the stop sign from you know running around. First, second, blew through the stop sign from the third base coach. And you have to make it at that point, right? And so I slid in, and it was a close play. I was safe, but my leg ripped open, and I still can't even – I haven't slept on my left side um, since Monday night. It hurts so bad, but it's worth it. I was safe, right? So anyway, we're just uh, awaiting uh, what seed we're going to be. In the playoffs, uh, based on you know our record, our run differential, and uh, there's six teams in the league in total. And I, right now, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you we're going to probably come away with a third seed. So it'll obviously be one versus four, and then two versus three. And if it works out the way I think it's going to work out, we, the Phillies, the three seed, can beat the Mariners, the two seed, which that's who we tied that other night. And... So I guess if we if that it all works out, we might be advancing to the championship game for the first time ever. And everyone loves an underdog story, right? So we'll see what happens, one thing at a time. Because if we can get matched up against the Mets, well, we're done for. That Upper Saddle River Mets team can probably beat the one in Queens. I'll keep you posted on our Phillies journey both here and on social media at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And uh, you know what? Now that I've broken down my my play, my, my my base running, why don't we do this? Come visit the Coach's Corner with me, Danielle McCartan, and the topic will be base running and third base coaching next right here on WFAN. Woo-hoo! Welcome back. My name is Danielle McCartan. Hanging with you till midnight right here on WFAN. Question of the day. Not really, but I posted it on uh, online. Can this Yankees team, as constructed, make a run to postseason? 62% of you said no. 38% of you said yes. I'm in the 38. Um, I, they wrote me back in. I, for, you know what? They, they, they've got the teams in front of them. They've got, I don't even know how many games. I didn't add it up, but they've got a, a nice chunk of games. 
six and four is 10, 16, uh, 16 and seven. They've got 23 games in front of them, the Yankees do, with teams that are in front of them or directly right behind them or in the mix. Like that's 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 a significant chunk of games to, to just, you know, declare it, go for it. And, you know, I, I they've also got Nestor, Nestor Cortez back and he was as good as you can hope for earlier today. And some of the hitters are starting to get hot. So why not? And the Yankees have the best bullpen in, in the whole entire league. So why not? I heard someone before, well, the Yankees, uh, they can't string it, you know, what, what's their best winning streak? And that caller called up Ricky before. Well, the Yankees' best winning streak is five games. Look around. Really, the Rays have had a 13-game streak in the beginning of the year. Houston has eight. Everybody else is right in the mix there. Toronto, six. Seattle, four. So why not the Yankees? Why not? 877-337-6666. We go to Rob in Congress. You're up next here on The Fan. Danielle, I'm not blowing smoke. I love your show. <laughs> I love your show. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I'm trying to wrap it up real quick. <laughs> uh, I haven't called in two years because my wife passed away from uh, stage two. I'm cancer. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Hold on. Me a second. Yeah, you got it. Um, my son loves the Yankees. I'm a Cardinal fan since 1967, mm-hmm. which is like 54 years ago. And the team never spent money. They never spent money. This year, my son loves the Yankees. I love the Yankees also, but if they ever kick the World Series again, <laughs> if, I'd be going for St. Louis. Okay. Um, I don't understand. They, their GM for St. Louis is so down cheap. Okay? They, they lost Flaherty. Okay? Mm-hmm. They lost uh, Jordan Hicks and DeYoung, the shortstop. Why couldn't the Yankees make a move and spend the money, or the Mets, even the Mets, and get and pick up uh, last year's third MVP, Arenado, and last year's MVP, Goldsmith? I mean, it would have made a, a big, big difference, Danielle. It, it really would have made. And I don't understand because. You know, I know the Mets spent money, but the Yankees could have spent an hour and hour. And you, even a lot of Mets fans mentioned him in the same breath, breath as Brooks uh, Robinson. I mean, he is unbelievable. Yeah, he's a great player. And Gold, he, he's um, he, Danielle, the guy's unbelievable. I know, I know the season is gone. They used to compete every year, but you know, this year they they down down the tubes. But well, if you pick I, up to, to me, Rob, yeah. I, I like you. Yeah. Say, but get, to me, I, I don't think it was a matter of the Yankees and Mets not trying. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But the Cardinals didn't make him really available. Just like Cody Bellinger was not available, neither really was Nolan Arenado. I think the GM, at least the GM of the Cardinals, understands what a valuable piece he is to that team. So I don't think he was available. But once they once they lose Flaherty and Jay Young yeah. and Jordan Hicks, yes. What do they got left? What do they got left this year or next year? Yeah. I mean, all all rooks. Yep. And if the Yankees could have picked up the third baseman, which they need, you know, they need a third baseman. Mm-hmm. I mean, and 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 Goldie, it would have been a homer for the Yankees. I love the Yankees, but like I said, if they ever play again in '64, I was five years old. You know, I would be rooting for the St. Louis, but I, I just don't understand. I, I don't understand. You know. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. Um, but if you're looking at, I mean, Nolan Arenado, yes, the Yankees have a need for a third baseman, and obviously you would that oh, would, yeah. big, that, that would render one of those infield. They've got a surplus of infield. It would render the, one of them tradable. So, are you trading Torres? Are you trading Volpe? I mean, at that point, because you got to play DJ Lemayhu, right? So, or, 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 or Peraza, or Peraza, correct? And, and so now you've got. I, I don't think they were ever really in the Yankees anyway. On Paul Goldschmidt, I don't think the Mets were either because the Mets, I mean. You would have to think that Alonzo's getting his long-term deal, and and for the Yankees, it, it's it's Rizzo, right? So, um, understand. But you understand yeah. one thing: the Yankees can't hit at all this year. I know. Year. I mean, I mean, Yankee fan also, they can't hit at all this I year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're throwing Nolan Arenado. They're two games out of wild card, or two and a half games yeah. out of wild card, yeah. And maybe even Goldie, they they're gonna make a serious run. And I, I, I've been there years ago before you even went born. No, no offense. <laughs> When St. Louis traded Carlton Rick Wise, <laughs> that's when I knew that they wouldn't spend. Yeah, and uh, I'm just looking, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no I'm just looking. I, I would, I would call. I used to call Steve Summers. Yeah, I used to call. Um, um, oh my God, uh, the overnight guy. Uh, Tony Page. Uh, what's his name? What? Tony Page. Tony Page. Oh, Tony Page. Love. He and I talk about pools for years and years. Pools. One thing about pools. He loves children. And I brought my son to the uh, Shea Stadium years and years and years ago. And they brought my son into the, into the clubhouse. He came out with wide, wide eyes. Paul signed a baseball for himself, a baseball for the whole team. And and my son came out wide-eyed. He, he, he was like in, in heaven. And uh, Tony Page, yeah, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Steve Summers, and uh, even, uh, oh, Salicata. Yeah. But... I know that the Mets don't like St. Louis because it's 64. I know Wainwright and Yachty is home run. Um, you know, you kind of soured them on the, on the Yankees and the Cardinals, but I don't understand. I don't understand. My team is going nowhere right now. Mm-hmm. They won't spend. I won't take much of your time, but you see my point, all right? I do. I see it there, Robin. Uh, and thanks for the call. I hope uh, I hope you call back tomorrow. Cop us. Wow, that was that was powerful. Um, but, uh, yeah, his suggestion, Goldschmidt, I don't think would be a fit for really either team, but, but, I mean, defensively meaning wise, but, uh, Arenado, man, he's hitting 282 this season and you compare him against every batter in this Yankee that's ever taken an at bat for the Yankees this season. And the only other man, so he's hitting 282 on the season. Judge is hitting 283. Can you imagine that? Oh, my God. Can you imagine that at the top of the order? Really not the top, that, but I know that's where they would put him. But I, I would do like an Arenado 2, Judge 3 kind of thing. Ooh. Now we're talking. But, no, the Cardinals didn't make Arenado available uh, is my understanding. So, unfortunately, got to keep dreaming on that one. 877-337-6666. Let's go to Douglas in the Bronx. You're up next here on the Fan, Douglas. Good evening, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I want to, you touched upon the women's national team earlier, and I want to kind of dig in a little bit more what Carly Lloyd said. Oh, um, I love what Carly Lloyd said about this team. Go ahead, Douglas. Tell them. Yeah, so she called out the team, uh, that, and they deserve to be on notice, in my opinion. Yes, and I agree with you. Captain Lloyd has the credentials to back it up, saying, 
how could you, how could this team be celebrating and dancing on the field when it was a scoreless tie? They barely got into the knockout stage. And, um, it's, uh, they didn't win any, they didn't win any championship yet. And so, uh, I, it's not consistent to what her experience is. And of course, just consider this, a lot of her former teammates are currently on this on team, so it does carry even more weight. I know. I, wanna... I love what she said. Why are you taking selfies and signing autographs? With you should be blowing the competition out of the water, and you're not. Okay, you you're getting like shut out by teams you shouldn't be, and you go and taking selfies and stuff. I understand there's more to this game, but at that point, I mean, Carly Lloyd is a player that I could I would have on my team any day. She was running. The woman was running sprints after the U.S. Women's National Team was guaranteed at least a, a bronze medal, okay? She's running sprints in the background of an interview. Not for show, just because. That's what that team is missing. The grit. The grit of Tobin Heath. The grit of Kristen Press. I'm worried for this game on Sunday. I don't think they're going to make it out. Mm, wow. I mean, but, you know, that thought process that Lloyd uh, exhibited, like, it does, it does ring familiar because it's very akin to the Mamba mentality where yes. without, without suffering, there can be no greatness. And misery is the only appropriate response to anything short of her championship. I agree. She would be a great teammate. I don't live by that philosophy, by the way, but she would absolutely be a motivating factor. Like, I would love to have her as my teammate, too. I think in, in some respect, there's like a Paul O'Neill aspect here yes. because he was very honorary during yep. his playing days. Yep. And, of course, Kobe Bryant, right? But, but yeah, yep. absolutely, I would have. Do you ascribe to that as an athlete? Do you ascribe to that kind of – or are you a little more, uh, a little less intense? Or, like, what's no, your, Douglas, I was pissed the other night when the Mets were beating us, and I had my hands on the fence – and my the team captain walked over. She's like, you're right. I'm like, yeah, I'm just not happy. I hate to – I said, F and lose. I hate to F and lose. Yeah. I saw a total her. And I said, and the outfielders are not hitting the cutoffs. And she was like, all right, it's okay. Like, it's not okay. But, no, I, I am a Carly Lloyd for sure. I am, I am okay. a Carly Lloyd. I am a Tom Brady. I am a Kobe Bryant. I have that mentality when I play games. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I got one quick pun, and then I'll talk about the Yankees. So – you are familiar with the song We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel, yes. right? Um, so there's actually an updated version of that. So the rock band Fall Out Boy, mm -hmm. they just released uh, the history of the world since Billy Joel's original. So mm. it's different. It's the different lyrics, but the same chorus. But my pun goes, uh, I'm not too... F I'm going to have a love-hate relationship with that song anyway. Um, I, I admire its ambitions to it, but um, I, it, it depends whether or not I, I get into it. But I definitely don't like the most recent remake. It was impromptu. It was in the Mets front office. Billy Epler. Oh, we didn't start the fire. There was no fire sale. Anyway. Okay, there's my front view. Okay. <laughs> I, get, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And, any chance I could make fun of Epler, I'll take it. Okay. So, onto the Yankees. So, uh, this series, I'm floored they won two games this series so far with, against the hated Astros. <laughs> you have no Garrett, no Garrett Cole, Dave Clarkson, who's been doing very well the past month. Mm -hmm. uh, get random that. But big question marks on Nestor Cortez and phenomenal job he did today. And they came away two runs despite, uh, lackluster hitting still. But, um, now, I, the thing I, I'm a little, uh, if you that uh, maybe I mean I'm not in this realm of wanting the Yankees to tank. Uh, uh, I voted. I'm among the 38 percent that voted in your poll too. Mm -hmm. That yeah, like 
I'm not rooting for them to lose uh, by any means. Heck yeah, I'm frustrated when I see them. They're down three nothing last night. It's like ten nothing. Yes. I mean that that's how I feel that way. Especially and yet, early, I'm, knowing the way this offense early. is. Right. There's no inkling that they'd rally or this like like uh, that you would think oh they'll get back three three or they'll yeah. take the lead. It doesn't feel that way. Right. And it's even accentuated obviously the trade deadline where they made uh, just a. Uh, scarce moves. Uh, they got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kate Middleton's brother, Keenan. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, the reliever, uh, that's his name, uh, Keenan Middleton. He, um, uh, it's, it's more with, with the trade deadline, the lacklusterness of it, that it's more of an extension of the last offseason where they also didn't do much either outside of the judge resigning, um, not addressing left field, but we talked to that in blue in the face. But the, the the concern that uh, uh, I, I'm still rooting for the team to win, but here's the other worry. I'm not worried, but the other thing that's like the cloud hanging over. So Buster Olney, mm. he uh, he came on one of these stations or one of these interviews saying that even if the Yankees don't make the playoffs, they there still won't be any significant changes in administration. Well, that's organization. it. And, and Douglas, and thanks for the call there. And that's it. That's a big bombshell there because if the Yankees don't make the postseason. There's, I, th- I don't believe there's going to be major be changes at all, which is nuts. And I heard that interview with Buster only, and, and, and I messaged him, and I said, I think you're right, man, which is a terrible position to be in if you're, if you're a Yankee fan. I, I'd have to tell you. Well, we never got into the, the coach's corner. All right, let's do that next. I want to explain that the base running um, and the third base coaching of what happened with John Carlos State, I want to break that down. That happened earlier today. He was thrown out at the plate. Yeah, 877-337-6666. Welcome back to the fit. My name is Danielle McCartan. Coming your way in about an hour's worth of time is, is Tommy Lou Gower. And I want you to come real close. Gather around. A little, little coach's corner. Let's do that. Baseball 101. There was a situation today in the Yankee game that uh, the situation at the time was it would have made the score 2-1 to one Yankees in the bottom of the third. So it would have been the go-ahead run in the bottom of the third. And it was a very tight game at that point for sure, of course, against the Houston Astros at home. So here's the situation. The batted ball, the Yankees were up at bat. The batted ball, uh, let, me, let me start with this. I, Stanton ended up, uh, John Carlos Stanton was standing on second base, I believe. So the batted ball, yeah, had to happen. So the batted ball went to shallow-ish center field on like the in-betweener between like a pop-up, sort of not a high pop, kind of a regular pop, line drive, like in between that. Okay, that's the kind of ball that was hit. Luis Rojas, the third base coach of the Yankees, not Phil Nevin, that wasn't a funny joke, but Luis Rojas decided to send, full send, Giancarlo Stanton, who... um. When the ball was hit, was in motion, of course. The problem here is this. As the third base coach, you have to recognize that Giancarlo Stanton was not running at you anywhere near 100%. As the third base coach, you also have to understand the rest of the situation. The handedness of the outfielders. Are they a left-hander or a right-hander? Are they throwing across their body or not? That's what that tells you. The arm strength of the outfielder. 
obviously self-explanatory. You have to know the number of outs. There were two outs in this situation. Where and how fast the ball was actually hit. You have to judge that. Be a really good judge of that. And most importantly, you have to know as the third base coach the running ability of your base runner. Now, I told you I played in that women's softball league. There are some runners on my team I would send, and there are some runners I would not send. Even if the ball is still in the outfield, there are some runners on my team I wouldn't send. You have to know that as a third base coach. So, Rojas, the third base coach of the New York Yankees, gave the old windmill to John Carlos Stanton, and he sent them home. It was a terrible send. It ended the inning, and there was no chance that Stanton was going to score on that. Now, he was running at like 65% speed, I would say. Also inexcusable. And then to to compound it all, there was an excuse made for Giancarlo Stanton in the postgame by his manager. When Meredith Morakovitz asked Boone after the game about that play, and she kind of tied it into, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, is, is John Carlos Stanton okay? Is his leg okay? Here's what Boone said. Yeah, G is good. I just didn't think he got a great round on third. Got a little careful over there. Look, ball, two outs, hitting a gap like that, I think you got to take your chances. That's from Boone. For me, I don't think you're taking your chances. If I'm Luis Rojas, I have to understand that the ball wasn't, one, deep, And two, Stanton was running at you at like 65%. So in that instance, Boone stuck up for the coach. Then Meredith then followed up with something along the lines of like, is that Stanton at full speed? And Boone said, I'd have to take a look at it. Sometimes if he gets going in the right directions, he's got more than that. Sometimes if it's not an efficient route, he's going to protect it a little bit. He's good. He's healthy. Excuses! That was not the speed of somebody running a bad route. I'm sorry. Stanton running 65%. Luis Rojas compounds it by sending him, inning over, and they're lucky. They are lucky. I mean, I would open with that if that ended up you know, affecting the outcome of this game. They're lucky that it didn't. 877-337-6666. Down to New Orleans on the free Odyssey app. Glenn is listening. What's up, Glenn? Hey, uh, doing great. Uh, I always enjoy uh, seeing your name pop up when I pull up the Odyssey oh, app. I appreciate that. Uh, do you think it's uh, how much of it is it the 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 third base coach, and how much of of it is the player? Probably fifty fifty. I'd say fifty fifty, or maybe sixty percent coach, forty percent player. Because I notice with with all of the teams around Major League Baseball, you see the guy on first base, there's a ball hit the right field, and instead of picking up the third base coach, Mm -hmm. he's looking at the play behind him in right field. Yep. I I don't get that. Me neither. I, I don't understand it. We were never taught that way, Glenn. Exactly. I'm 68, so you know I wasn't taught that. I'm 35. I wasn't taught that way either. <laughs> and so <laughs> it, it just it, it boggles my mind, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you saw the way I happened to see that the Red Sox lost today. No, I didn't. On a, on a base-running bungle that is 
beyond comprehension. Oh, no, tell me what happened. I missed it. Well, it's first off, uh, it's the ninth inning. Okay. Socks are down one run to Toronto. Okay. Uh, there's one out, uh, runner on second. Uh, and the batter hits a high, high ball toward the monster. Okay. You don't know if it's going out, if it's going to scrape the wall, or if he's going to catch it at the base of the wall. Maguire, he, he's waving his hands in the air like it's a two-run home or they win. <laughs> he rounds third, and they catch it, and they double him off. Oh, and, oh now, the, and I'm looking at the third base coach, oh. and what is he doing? Yeah, but as he a base runner, like too. You, oh, oh, he was on second. He, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Pointing at the player to stop, but at the same time, almost waving him towards him. I mean, so he was he sending him mixed out. messages. He, he got yeah, he got thrown out at second. He wasn't even back to third. Oh man! But this is constant with with baseball today. I, I just the 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 lack of fundamentals. I I just can't. I, I listen. I was watching the Met game last night. They got Brett Beatty trying to make a play at third, and instead of letting the runner run into his tag, he reached, and the runner was safe. I saw that fundamentals. I saw that. That that to me, that's the biggest problem with this this modern baseball that they like to call it is a, a complete lack of fundamentals, basics. I've heard Ron Darling on Mets broadcast say a number of times that today's players don't know the rules yeah. and they're dumb versus the players <laughs> of 30-plus years ago. And you he know what? said it. Yeah. They're dumb. You know what, Glenn? And thanks for the call. That's a great call. I, I, I talked to, ironically enough, I talked to Tobin Heath. And I, and I think I can pinpoint how. I talked to Tobin Heath really quickly uh, from the U.S. Women's National Team, and we talked about organized sports versus just going out and playing. And I could probably find the interview and repost it, but if you just type in Danielle McCart and Tobin Heath, it'll come up. Um, and we talked about, and she gives every kid that at her camp a, a, a soccer ball. And I, the question was, well, why? She was like, well, that's all you really need. And she wants, she's encouraging kids to just go out and play. Everything is so regimented and fundamental, you know, in, in, in this, that, this league, that league, coached by dad, this, that, that the, the feel of a lot of our sports is just non-existent anymore. And that was a nice conversation I had with a, with a very accomplished athlete. So uh, if you want to look it up, Daniel McCartan, Tobin Heath. Anyway, quick break. Dexter Henry's here with an update. I'm with you back to the family. Daniel McCartan gearing up for the final hour. Calls have been fire. Keep them coming. 877-337-6666. Just and, and of course we'll keep your Yankees and Mets t- talk going, but I ha- obviously have to address the fact that just a few hours ago, two New York Jets were inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame as members of the class of 2023. It's like play some pop and circumstance, right? But uh, you know, I kind of wanted to open up the phone lines here for you know, us all to kind of take a little trip down memory lane, and of course the Mets and Yankees calls as well. Uh, but I, I would be. It would be rem- I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that there were two Hall of Fame speeches given today by two former New York Jets, which is cool. And so, um, a little trip down memory lane. You got a story about Darrell Revis. You got a story about Joe Klecko. I want to hear it. And I'll, I, I, I can't offer 
really much insight for Klecko as a player. Uh, the year he retired was the year I was born, and that's nobody's fault. Um, and I also have not met him yet, so I'm going to lean on you for that. Um, and I welcome, of course, the Klecko stories along with the Revis ones. Um, Revis, though, I watched from basically you know, career opening t- to career closing. And that sounds like a Jay-Z song, right? So, you know, grand opening, grand closing. You know, you know the song with Lincoln Park? Anyway, when I was when I was first starting this whole venture into sports media, and you know, what like still to this day, I'm still working a full time career. I'm still coaching, and you know, I wasn't handed a daytime slot and told, you know, hey, go do it. I actually earned it, and I'm actually still earning it every late night and every holiday, as some people around here don't like to or even seem to not want to acknowledge. But anyway. December 2015, let's rewind back to then, as I was building up my repertoire. I wasn't starting then. I was building then. I was finding myself some reps. Still am, by the way. I I would go to these events held by whatever team within, I would say, like 90 minutes to two hours of, of driving distance from where I live. Now, I don't know if they still do it, but there was an Italian restaurant in New Jersey that would have Jets players there all the time. And I think it was the Monday or was it the Tuesday after each game? Whatever it was. I don't know the owners of the place. I'm not going to give any free advertising. You could just f- probably figure it out if you really are so inclined. But I would go with the microphone that I bought myself on Amazon and the little adapter piece that plugged into my iPhone from the microphone that I researched myself, bought from Best Buy. And I, I would go with some questions for whatever player was going to be there that week or players were going to be there that week. And so... December 2015, almost like 10 years ago, believe it or not. Well, eight-ish. But Darrell Revis was scheduled to be here, be there. And I was no chance going to miss this opportunity. So remember, 2015, this is Darrell Revis in the middle of his third consecutive Pro Bowl season, his first back with the Jets. This was prime. This was peak Darrell Revis. So I walked up to him. He was sitting at a table. He was not eating food. He was just kind of sitting there waiting for his chance to go do what, what he had to do. And I, I politely asked him if, if he had a few minutes. And he looked up. He smiled. And then he pulled out the chair next to him. He used his left arm, and he pulled out the chair next to him for me to sit and, and motion for me to sit down next to him. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. And my read on him at that point was that he's a quiet guy. But two minutes and nine seconds later, I had his thoughts on his, what I called, triumph, triumphant triumphant return home to the Jets, his experience as a Patriot, and how that would translate to the next week's game planning and game play against the Patriots. So then I took that audio, produced it myself, uploaded it, and then I let it shape the discussion on the radio show that I hosted all by myself, produced all by myself, live, with the board and everything. At Rampo College. The point being, Revis, at the height of his career, the height of Revis Island, did not have to do an interview with a nobody with an Amazon.com microphone. He was not only kind, he was gracious, he was articulate, elaborative, and it's something that I will never forget. Watching him, you know, on that stage, in that jacket, and he gave someone, he gave me a chance and so as I sit here in a, in a green number 24 t-shirt, I, I'm just so happy that Darrell Revis 
was selected as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And that Joe Klecko, who has waited as long as I've been alive, like 35 years, right, to, to get in, minus the five waiting period, so 30 years to get in. I'm, I'm so happy he finally got in, too. And it's it's a proud, proud day across Jets Nation. So that was my first interaction with Darrell Rivas. I welcome your personal anecdotes as we celebrate not one, but the induction of two New York Jets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. You can't get aboard. You can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, or um, Coach McCartan on Instagram as well. To the phones we go. We go to Jesse in Queens on line three. Go ahead, uh, Jesse. Hey, Danielle. What's up? Good to talk to you again. Um, I'm just wondering whether with these mess with I understand what they what they did. They're building for the future now. Mm-hmm. Probably because they have no other choice, but I mean, wow. I mean, I'm looking at the other alternative, just, uh, and they just got some relievers. I mean, the Mets were fighting every game. If they got some two or three relievers, you know, maybe, maybe give them a puncher's chance against the wild card. That's kind of along the lines I was thinking. They were only six and a half games back uh, at the, at the time. And they had 23 games on their schedule as well against teams that are near them or above them. Or above them, I'm sorry. I think, I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. Jesse, I'm with you. I'm, I'm so upset at Epler. I mean, he sabotaged them. He's the one that made them, you know, deficient in the bullpen where they blew so many games. Correct. At least he could have done was bring in two or three competent relievers. But no, they choose to give up on the season. And yep. now... The players saw them give up, saw the front office give up. And look, since the deadline, they haven't won. I mean, this is horrible. It's got to be demoralizing. I I think if I'm a player on the Mets, I I have to be feeling a little bit demoralized at this point in time. Do you you think this is the best, this was the best long-term move for them? Or because they got some good players. I, I, I looked into the prospects they got. And but I don't know if if it was worth giving up on the season because I still think they had a chance to sneak in as a wild card. And I'm so upset about this because they were fighting every day. They were trying. I know. It's just they they didn't have the pieces. Correct. Thanks to Mister Inepler, and I just I'm really it's really upsetting because it's like Epler really just destroyed this team. And I I I don't know what's your take on this and if. They sh- I think they should have gone for it because they were fighting. The team was fighting mm-hmm. every day, trying, mm-hmm. bringing in some relievers. I understand Scherzer gone because he wasn't producing. Fine, but why do you have to give Verlander? He's still signed for next year. Yeah. And he has a player option for the, the year after. Mm-hmm. And he was so hot. So I'm just kind of torn between the direction they took and the yeah. direction they could have taken. Exactly, Jesse. And you know what? And I'll hang up here so you can hear my thoughts. My thoughts are exactly yours. Really. I mean, there's no... Yes. But now, they've decided the path that they're going to go down. When you get a, to a fork in the road, you got to take it. And the Mets took the fork. And that that's it. I, I think being six and a half games back, you know, with 23 games in front of you against one, head-to-head games against teams. I mean, uh, everything you said. I, I echo all that. But you know what? I hate this expression, but it is what it is. The, the Mets have made their decision, and they're moving forward. And and everybody that's lauding this this prospect hall, I got two things for you. Number one, 
you know, you have five prospects in Major League Baseball pipelines, like put out by the league, top 100. Three of them were already there before this trade deadline. So you added, I guess, two top prospects. He spent $88 million to do it. And, and, and only one of those three that the $88 million was spent on is in the top 100. Um, yeah, I mean, they're prospects. You don't know how they're going to pan out. Ellie Dela Cruz was not ranked, so maybe you could take some solace in that. He was not ranked last year or the year before, whatever it was, and look at him now. Uh, but that, that they decided. They decided, and they have to rebuild their entire starting pitching rotation next year. And and uh, the other thing I wanted to say was, if you decide you're keeping Buck Showalter, I mean, the guy is so resistant to playing the young players, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling that Daniel Vogelback is still in this lineup every day, and Mauricio... Can't get the call. I mean, maybe he's blocked the Mets' number. I have no idea. Maybe the Mets have blocked his number. I don't know. Maybe there's no service up where he's playing in Syracuse. I have no idea. But there is no reason why he shouldn't be playing with these Major League Mets right now. 877-337-6666. We go to Paul in Little Falls. What's up, Paul? How are you, Daniel? How are you, Daniel? I'm good. How are you, Paul? Oh, we're getting along. Oh, come to the fork in the road, take it. Yeah, the wit and wisdom of Yogi Berra. I'm they took sad. it all right. <laughs> That's okay. I want to talk about the, the problems that both of these teams have. I'm a Yankee fan. The Mets have Billy and Nepler. Yankees have Aaron Buffoon. And, <laughs> I mean, the guy's constantly tinkering with who's playing in the field. Yeah, He tinkers with the lineup all the time. Yep. He's constantly giving guys rest, regular rest, when you're supposed to play your hot guys, yep. when they're hot. I mean, the consistency is, yeah, his, his, it, it, it's, like he's, it's, it's like he's playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Yeah, I like that analogy, yeah. But you know what else, too? Yeah, it's yeah. like, Paul, it's hard to fault Aaron Boone, right? It's hard to fault him. You want to know why? Because... There's a plan in place. It, it's a collaborative effort. There, you know, he's the, he's the face of it, but the pitching coach has an input in it. Like they, everybody has an input. I'm sure Brian Cashman does as well. It's like you can't pinpoint it all on like pin the tail on Aaron Boone. You, you just can't. He's just the face of it all, which is maddening. It's maddening. I don't know. I don't. I don't know about that. Just if, if, if you don't mind, you know Bob Euchre, right? Uh yeah, loosely. You know of you know of him. Yes. Yes. He's he's. He's he's told this story. He's told this story before. Okay. And this is what I really and this is what I really think of Aaron Aaron Boone. And it probably extends into Yankee management. There was a game his team was involved in. Um, but his team is winning like crazy. Mm-hmm. They're scoring runs. They're 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 getting hits. They're, everybody's padding their stats. Yuker's okay. not in the game yet. About the middle of the game. His manager calls to him. He says, Euchre, get a bat. And Euchre gets his bat. He comes over to the umpire. He, oh, excuse me. He comes over to his manager. And he says, what do you need me to do, Skip? And he says, Euchre, I want you to get out there and kill this rally. This is what I think Boone does. Kill the rally? On purpose? Yes. On purpose. I don't know. Because, because wait, wait, when you have, when you have, you have, you have Rizzo. Who's been playing hurt for two months? Mm-hmm. You have Trevino, who's been playing with that bad wrist 
for a while. Yeah. You have the human double play machine at John Carlos Stanton hitting 210, batting fourth, and he's still saying he's going to work it out. Can he work it out from batting seventh or eighth if he wants to play him all the time? Yeah. I mean, uh, that would be kind of nice. And I would put the guys together who seem to be putting a bat on a ball. You know, you have Bowers and McKinney and, 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 and Glaber and, mm-hmm. and all them guys. They, they should all be hitting up high. Yeah. And, and, and like I said about him, you know, it, it, years ago, nobody tinkered around with a lineup. I know. You know, you had you had you had lineups that were set in stone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can I can I can go back to the big red machine in, in the early seventies. These guys, these eight guys were there, game in, game out, year yeah. after year. Yeah, and, and there's something and, to it, Paul. And, and thanks for the call. There's something to it. Like as a coach, as a player, as more as a player, when when I go to my you know now women's softball league, I know I'm playing shortstop, and I know I'm batting. Well, I, I used to bat second. Now they have me batting fourth. I'm hitting fourth, but now I know that. So there's some there's a little bit of a comfortability factor that you can't quantitate on a on a spreadsheet that you're like, you know, the comfortability, if that's a word, the, the level of comfort you have with with hitting where you are, showing up to the ballpark every day, or in my case, the fields in Upper Saddle River, to to knowing where you are and where you stand. It's 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 questionable. I, I don't like the the lineup movement, the lineup tinkering. It's like, let's try this one. Like I don't I don't like that, man. I agree with you. There's something to it. I totally agree with you. Let's go to uh, Bob in Hackensack. What's up there? Oh, sorry, Rob. Rob in Hackensack. What's up? Hi, Daniel. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Uh, I, I just have uh, one net com- one net comment and a, a question. Sure. Uh, first, uh, lifelong Mets fan. Sure, I'm disappointed with the way the season's gone. Uh, I'm not disappointed with these these trades. Uh, you know, these prospects could show a lot of promise. The one fellow I would have liked, though, isn't rather than the Sakuna fella, is I would have liked to have gotten uh, Kuma Rocco back. Now, of course, he was the number one uh, met number one draft choice. They couldn't sign him, and the reason they couldn't sign him was because of his arm. And we know he had Tommy John this year. Mm-hmm. Somewhere down the line, I feel he'd help. But uh, but we're definitely going to be in need of uh, pitching uh, pitching help. So we'll see what happens in the off season. And uh, my one question is. Um, I don't know where you played your uh, high school ball, but at any time, uh, do you recall uh, running into a uh, a Coach Mack who was a pitching coach with St. Mary in Rutherford? Coach Mack. No, I played in Dumont. We never played St. Mary's. We played Rutherford High School, but we never played St. Mary's. So you never met up with them in the counties or anything like that? Uh, but um, so. Okay, but anyway, well, he was my brother. That's why I guess. Oh, cool. <laughs> Okay. Oh, cool. No, I I never met him, but uh. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I played in Dumont, so maybe he knows. I don't know. Ask him if he remembers. Yeah. Yeah, you know the the fantastic shortstop from the Dumont Huskies. I don't know. <laughs> yes. All right. All right, all right Rob. Thanks Thank for the you, call. Daniel. Appreciate that. Yeah, and and the Mets are uh, uh, backs against the wall. They need pitching. Everybody knows it. It's going to come at a premium, unfortunately, for them. This season, 877-337-6666. More Mets and Yankees calls. I see some two Yankees and one Mets. We'll continue with that. I also want to talk about Hard Knocks because, um, yep, Tuesday is the premiere. So if you want to talk about that, uh, let's do it. 877-337-6666. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan with you till midnight. Tommy Lugar comes your way. And, you know, I, I got to... Connor, I have a bone to pick with Paul Rosenberg. Am I going to see him tomorrow? Is he here before you tomorrow? He is actually off tomorrow. Oh, for the figures. The figures. 
because I got a message on Facebook from a guy whose name is Mark. Mark, he's a jazz musician who happens to teach at Juilliard. He's called my show, and I remember his calls. Actually, I do. And he said, I heard last week that you lost the notes to the Mets trumpet fanfare. I would love to to transcribe this for you and put it in a manageable key if you'd like. I left my email with your producer last week. Paul Rosenberg, Mm -hmm. not doing a good job. How about that? He left his email with my producer. That's the first I'm hearing of it. So what happened was, I I guess I might have mentioned that I uh, I played the trumpet. I think everybody knows that by now. I played the trumpet. Um, not as good as I used to. You know, whatever. Long story short. But um, the band teacher at school transcribed the Timmy Trumpet song for me. Uh, you know, Narco. So I, from getting it from him in the hallway by my classroom, because we're, we're right near each other, and walking to my classroom, bringing it home, and then trying to find it, it, it's gone. It's just lost. So, and I didn't know how to tell him, and I still haven't told him, the band teacher. So, now that Mr. Mark from Juilliard is going to save my butt, uh, he's going to transcribe it for me. He's going to email it to me, and um, the band teacher will never know that I lost it. And I don't lose anything, which is crazy to me. I don't lose anything. But um, now no one's going to know. Just me, you, and all the listeners. Could have been a faster process if old Paul Rosenberg just took that email. That's right. I got to, uh, I got to, I had a bone to pick with him. That's right. Maybe I'll see him. I'm going to be on during the week. So maybe I'll see him uh, this upcoming week on the overnights. But uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad he reached back out on Facebook. Good old Facebook. Paul Rosenberg. I could have already been practicing Timmy Trumpets already. You know, in time for next season because that's when Timmy Trumpets, Darko. And Edwin Diaz will be back. 877-337-6666. Out to Long Island. Vinny's up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Great. How are you? Are you ready to hear my rendition of Narco once I finally get this sheet music in hand? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, it's it's more exciting than the Met game was tonight. So that'll... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that'll be a good change of pace. But, uh, yeah, you know, first I'll touch on Darrell Rivas since you started with that uh, before. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm going to be 35 in, uh, in two weeks. So, oh, you know, you and I are the same age. Yeah. And, you know, Darrell Rivas was our guy, right? And, uh, you know, the uh, to to see him go in and, you know, think back to those, to those first couple of seasons and especially that 09 season when he took away – you know, I mean, the whole field or that half of the field, yes. and he was uh, he was unbelievable. Yep. So, great great day uh, to be a Jet fan, which there aren't many great ones, but today's definitely one of them. So, we'll uh, we'll continue to enjoy that. But the, uh, yeah, the 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 trade deadline was a tough one. My uh, you know my son is nine, and he's really really getting into baseball now, which is great. Mm-hmm. And we, we were away this week, so it was good to be off from work and be able to you know, check out of that for a little bit and spend time with the kids and, you know, being able to follow the trade deadline and, you know, explain to a nine-year-old that, <laughs> you know, all his favorite players are getting traded is, yeah. uh, you know, is a, is, a, is a tough one. But I'm tr- trying to be optimistic for, you know, for, for Met Nation. But it's this is, uh, you know, been through a lot of tough years and this is a, this is a tough one. And, you know, I hope that uh, they're, they're doing the right things, but, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how to feel about the rest of this year. They're, uh, 
I mean, to, to not even be competitive, to yeah. go from World Series aspirations yes. to not not even being competitive is, yep. is is a tough one. And you know, of all the disappointing seasons that we think about uh, in the last you know twenty, twenty five, thirty years, this is uh, th- this one's right up there. So. Well, uh, and, and you Vinny, know, like you said, Vinny, because the expectation was so high coming off a 101 win season, you had the manager of the year in the dugout. You had that batting champ in the dugout for the NL on both sides. You had so much going. Edwin Diaz. I mean, can we pin it all back to, to the World Baseball Classic? I mean, so going from all of that to, like you said, non-competitive right now, it's just it's absolutely mind boggling. Yeah, it's that, and it's been the last year, right? I mean, since since late August, September of last year, they uh, they they haven't been the same team. Even though obviously they got to 101 wins last year, you know they were they were non-competitive down the stretch, uh, especially against the Braves when they had an opportunity. They were non-competitive mm-hmm. in the playoffs, yep. and and it, uh, it it continued into this year. So so I understand about you know it's not working, right? Something needs to change. You know, I totally, uh, especially in business, right? And I, I kind of do that for a living and I understand that, you know, you have to, you have to make moves on certain things and, uh, you know, in order to get to where you need to go. I just didn't see it to this extreme. I, I, I really didn't. And, uh, you know, I didn't see 2024 as a year that uh, they were going to be punting. Now, maybe that was just, you know, to be able to get Scherzer to to waive his no trade clause. I don't know. But you know, if they, if they're not going to be in on Otani and any of the you know top, I mean, who's good, who's going to pitch for this team next That's right. year? If That's the main question. If we're going to have to endure David Peterson and Tyler, Tyler McGill, McGill and as, yeah, of, right, as not, of right now, they're in the rotation. And thanks for the call, there, Vinny. As of right now, your rotation. Let me think. Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana. Is it David Peterson next, followed by Tyler McGill after that? And then what? I don't even know. I feel like I'm missing something. Cookie Carrasco, he's he's a free agent after this season. Pretty much that's it. I mean, and the league knows it. Here's a quote from uh, Jeff McNeil after the game tonight. He said, it's been a really frustrating year for me. Not where I want to be. Not where this team wants to be. Just trying to do what I can do to get back. Yikes. Frustrating all around. Richard in Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Danielle, first, the women's team. After they tied Portugal, they were, I don't mind celebrating. I don't mind any of that. That doesn't bother me, taking pictures. But when they were interviewed, each player, none of them gave credit to Portugal. Mm. They just kept saying what they did, what they didn't do, and how they didn't play the way. I mean, you don't do that. You always give credit to the other team when they Mm. play a good game. Alex Morgan, I can't imagine Alex Morgan didn't do that. Couldn't. You can't do that. Mets. How you can trade two Hall of Famers and your MVP, Robertson, in four days is beyond compre- comprehension to me. <laughs> to give up, it's a shock to the system, to the fans, to the remaining players, to everybody. You cannot do that. This guy thinks he's just trading stocks and bonds, which you must do impulsively probably to be a billionaire like he is, and which he's great at. You can't do this to the fans. You cannot make them suffer. To- you know, in the four games... Uh, Scherzer's pitched twice, and Verlander p- pitched twice. Four games since 
uh, you know, this all has started. Well, they, they, pitched, they pitched two games good for the Mets and two games for their other teams. Ridiculous. So, yeah, I was going to say, Verlander just made his first start today for that. For yeah, the and Scherzer made a start for uh, yeah, Texas. Yeah. And he pitched, okay, six innings, three runs. And last Friday night, he went seven innings and one run for the Mets. Yeah. Last Sunday, Verlander went five and a third and gave up one run for the Mets. Mm-hmm. So these guys can pitch good, but we still got to get rid of them. Makes no sense at all. Yep. But uh, he should have waited till. This reminds me in 1976 fire sale. Uh, Charles, uh, Charles Finley on the A's wanted to sell off all his players. He didn't want to pay big contracts. He sold off Blue Moon Oda, I mean, Vita Blue, uh, uh, Raleigh Fingers, uh, Joe Rudy, all these great players on the team. But then Joe, uh, Bowie Kuhn stepped in and said, you can't do that. So they had to play. He had to go back. Uh, as far as the uh, Yankees go, uh, Boone is a robot. If anyone thinks that Boone can be fired, they're crazy. Boone says what the Yankees want him to say. For him to come out and say, outside of those 18 strikeouts, we had pretty good swings against. I mean, he doesn't even know what he's saying. He's he's like wound up like a robot, just to repeat, protection for the Yankees and make the players feel good and sound. It's awful. I'd rather him not talk to the press after the game and the press and the Yankees make an announcement. Boone is too distraught to talk. I like guys like Tortorella and guys who give their feelings emotionally and with heart yeah. after a game. I don't want to hear managers giving excuses and giving you these feel good stories. Makes no sense. It doesn't do anything for us. So it's ridiculous for him to say this. As far as the Jets go, you know, uh, Daniel, of course you weren't around, but isn't it amazing? that not one defensive player on the Super Bowl winning teams is in the Super Bowl, uh, is in the, in the Hall of Fame. Only Revis, they're the first two, are Jets in 61 years, in a, 63 years of existence for the Jets since 1960. Uh, Revis and uh, Klecko, first two defensive players. Now, on the Super Bowl winning team, you had the offensive lineman Winston Hill and, of course, Joe Namath and Don Maynard. Not one defensive player. They had great defensive players. Yeah. Ralph Baker, Atkinson, Larry Grantham, John Elliott, Jerry Philbin, these guys were just as good as Joe Klecko. They won a Super Bowl. They won. A, they went to the AFC champ, AFL Championship the year after for a period of four years. Now, it wasn't as sustained like the other guys, Klecko and Revis. They were every bit as, as certainly as good as Klecko, especially the defensive line. Not one of them. There. Does that make sense to you? One defensive player on that Super Bowl team is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. And, and as far as the Mets go, there is no way any fan should go back to these games. If they've gone to if they've given up on this season, there is no way you should support this team. I don't care what fan you are. This is worse than the Mets when they were a laughing stock in the early sixties. At least you were entertained by the Mets and they were entertaining to watch. This this guy has so much money, you would have thought he would have waited till the end of the season, recouped his losses and say, Let me at least do this for the fans. Let's carry this out. Because Scherzer and Verlander wanted to be here. At least I mean of course they were hired guns and they were getting the money, right. but still, you can't. And so one last can. thing. Yeah. If Aaron Rodgers starts out 0-5, game six, he gets banged up. 0-5, banged up. Oh my Jack God. comes in, plays great, wins the game, has a fantastic game. Richard. Does Woody, no, here's the question, Danielle. Does Woody, does Joe Douglas do a Steve, uh, with a Billy Epler and a Steve Cohen, do they do that and say, I want to go with the youth, oh, the God. hell with this old guy, Rogers. Let's go with the All youth. All right, Richard, I got to cut you off on that. I, the Jets are not going 0-5 to start the season this year. They're just not. So I'm not entertaining this this fantasy world where they will. They're not going 0-5.
If the Jets go 0-5 with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, they've got other issues. They do. They have other issues. Man. Man, oh, man. But I agree with you that they they they, they will not find, uh, going back to the beginning of the call, uh, to fire Boone, I mean, it's just, like I said before, it's a collaborative effort, everything that goes out there. It's a pre-planned, mostly everything, and all that. Um, Yeah. Anyway, 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. Mets, Yankees, trade deadline. Um, What's called? The reactions. Klecko and Revis in the Hall of Fame. Maybe you want to take us down memory lane there. Uh, just the mishmash of all the topics remaining. I'm Danielle McCartan with you for one more segment here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan hanging with you for another little while. When uh, Tommy Lugar is going to come your way at uh, the stroke of midnight. Also, just in case you're wondering if you can't sleep, I had a little bit of a toothache last night, so I really couldn't sleep. And I wish, well, I don't want to say I wish it was tonight, too, but I wish the soccer game was on last night because the soccer game coverage starts at 4. That's about when I woke up. And uh, the coverage starts at 4 on Fox, and then the game actually starts at 5 a.m. U.S. Women's National Team taking on Sweden on Fox 5 New York. And uh, if the Americans advance, they'll face Japan. And, I mean, I'm I'm very... I'm concerned. I'm, I'm I'm not sure that this team has the leadership it needs. I mean, you heard what Carly Lloyd had to say. Kristen Press is also not playing. Tobin Heath is not playing. They have a the built-in excuse of being a young team. We all understand that. But um, I don't know. Against Sweden, they're four one and one all time. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 time. I just I, soccer is like kind of like, you know, like boring a little bit until someone scores and then it's like everything's close and it's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. And then you got Alex Morgan saying, I don't blame people for holding a high standard on us. The game is getting increasingly better. And she's not wrong about that part. But uh, the U.S. Women's National Team is not the the juggernaut powerhouse that you're used to watching on TV. So, But if you're up for whatever reason at 5 a.m., Channel 5 it is, 877-337-6666. We go to West New York. Steve, you're up on the fan. Uh, hey, Danielle, how you doing? Great. How are you? Fantastic. First of all, great show. I love the homework you do. Thank you. Uh, you don't just talk off the top of your head. It's obvious you, you do the work. You put the work in. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, Thank you very much. And uh, uh, on, on, a, on a side note, uh, your voice is tremendous. Now you have a you have a music background, right? Yeah. And and you know that certain instruments have certain timbre and tone mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. composition, and your voice just puts the hook in me and I'm not I'm, I'm talking about as a talk show host not creepy like so let's move on for let's move on from there well thanks All right? okay <laughs> and uh, having a music background kind of dovetails into what I'm going to say yeah um and, and I do have experience as a player and a coach in fact I was David Wells baseball coach uh, uh head coach of the varsity baseball team uh, David Wells in, in San Diego he uh, pitched a he, perfect game on my birthday in fifth grade he did <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. That's cool that you were his coach. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a whole bunch of his pictures. I'm trying to get it to him. I don't want anything for them. He just has I just have a bunch of his high school pictures. Anyway, that's 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 here's what I want to say. That that's just completely side sidebar. Mm-hmm. Um dovetailing in the music uh, with replacing Aaron Boone. Mm-hmm. Nothing personal against the man. I know the talk show mantra is, but if you replace Boone, you're gonna get someone just like him. Hmm. Now, having a musical background, when I say the title Twist and Shout, what band do you think of? 
Oh, I can twist and shout, shake it up, baby. Oh, hold on, hold on. That's the Beatles. That's the Beatles. Right, exactly. Uh, we think of the Beatles. They made the definitive version of Twist and Shout. But, of course, that song was written and recorded years before they did. Uh, the Isley Brothers re-recorded it in 62 okay. and had a minor hit. But okay. then the definitive version is the Beatles version, right? Mm -hmm. Why? It's the same chord pattern. Hmm. It's the same notes. It's the same uh, uh, um, melody. But it was the Beatles. And, you know, the legendary voice of John Lennon and what happened to his voice. And that was the, the take they kept, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It came out differently. Now, here's my point. Replace Boone. You're going to get the same analytics. You might get the same puppet talking. But that person is going to relate to the ball players differently than Boone does. Something's not working. I don't know. I'm not in the clubhouse. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. I but think something uh, is not Steve, working. That's a, that's I mean, a good analogy. I, I like the analogy. I think that Aaron Boone is beloved by his players. He will never throw one of them under the bus. I think for me, I, I mean, I've for me, I think he's too. I don't want to use the word laissez-faire because that's not it. But I, he's too relaxed, at least in front of what I've seen. He's too relaxed. Hey, we're the Yankees. We'll get there. We'll get to it. Like, no, you need to fire. Bring the fire. Billy in the Bronx, are you going to bring the fire? Hey, Danielle, how are you? Great. How are you? Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah talking about uh, talking about Boone and, and uh, you know, what's going on there in the Bronx, too. It's, it's literally, I don't know, it, it's become embarrassing for me, okay? You have Herman, who, all you know, jokes aside, I hope he gets the, the, right. the help that he needs. But, mm -hmm. you know, taking him out of the game, then you put him back in as relief. Like, that entire story with smoke and mirrors, okay? Yeah. Then you have Rizzo. It takes them three months to figure out that he had a concussion. Yeah. How's that possible? I don't know. It's a mess clubhouse. Boone has completely lost that clubhouse. Okay? It's not, it's not, this is not hard to see. Okay? It's plain as day. Everyone that likes him, he's a player's manager. That, that's not the answer for these kids nowadays. Okay? You've got you, you to be hard. Soft men create hard times. Well, yeah, okay? Billy, I love the fire there, but I coach, and it's on an individual basis. You can... I like being coached hard. I like that. Some people don't. People crumble under that. People are afraid to make a mistake, so you can't paint it with a broad brush. You just can't. It's on an individual basis. I've, I've seen it. I've done it. I've experienced it. Mario, Long Beach, you're up on the fan. How are you doing, Danielle? Great. Doing a How great are you? job. Thank you. I can't wait for you to, you to do your trumpet solo. <laughs> yeah, i got to get the sheet music from the guy on Facebook, but I will do That's it. Really I promise fun. you. I will do it. Yeah, it's really fun. I talked to you a couple of times because my uncle was a professional saxophone player, so I'm really into the brass instruments cool, yeah. and the wind instruments. Yeah. And I he was a big fan of Maynard Ferguson, a great jazz trumpet player, so I, lo I love the trumpet. So I can't wait to hear you do it. I just want to echo the sentiments of the previous caller who said, uh, you know, your preparation is great. Thank you. It really is. I think they should, uh, you know, if I was the boss of Odyssey, I would put you in the afternoon slot. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. You, you, I like you, and I also like um, Ricky Ricardo, too. I think the, the, you, those are two diamonds in the rough that they're, they're not seeing properly, I think. But oh, thank you. as time goes on, I think you get your shot. My question is just a general baseball question, right? Talking about, uh, I think we spoke about it before you, talking about um, the basics. Like, why doesn't, why don't, Players know how to bunt anymore. Uh, That's number one. I know. And the number one, too, I'll ask you the second question. I'll let you go because mm -hmm. I know you're, 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 you're pressed for time. Mm -hmm. Second one is 
Why do they run to first base when they hit a ground ball and watch the look at the ball? <laughs> I don't know. It slows them down. I know. Everybody does it. It's ridiculous. I mean, if you look away and you and you were out by a half a step, you would you would have been safe. I if agree. You look away. Have a great evening. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Talk tomorrow, maybe. Uh, yeah, how, why do they not know how to bunt? So there's this thing, and I don't know which Asian league it is, but they have, you know how we have the home run derby? They have the bunt derby or something like that, and it's a bunting competition. I would love to see that. Bring back the bunt. Why don't they know how to do it? I don't know. I, I watched them do it in the cages before the games. I watched both teams do it. They just don't ever employ it in a game. And why do they watch the ball? I don't know that either. Both great questions. Both Fundamental questions. Yeah, I don't know. Eddie and Howard Beach, you got about 30 seconds, Eddie. Go ahead. Yeah, how are you, Danielle? Great. How are you? Good, good. I just want to uh, touch upon something. Uh, the Mets get hit a lot, but nobody said the reason why. Why do they hit a lot? Why is that? Uh, I'm asking you on this thing. Like, what's the reason why they're going to hit so much? Like, it's oh, they're getting hit. Oh, getting hit. Oh, okay. Wait, Eddie, Eddie. But something like yes, no one yes. says the reason why. No one's specific. So... What I do you don't think know. The reason why it? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Eddie, for the call. There, why? Why are the Mets getting hit by pitches so much? I don't know. That's a mystery to me. I don't have a. Maybe they're standing too close to the plate. I don't know. There's got to be more to it, and I don't know, and I don't want to put anything out there that I'm just not sure of and haven't asked any of the players about. Whew. Anyway, thanks, thanks to the callers. I could not have come here and done it without you. Thanks for hanging with me over the past four hours. If you missed any portion of tonight's show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was 8 p.m. Great job to Connor Green behind the glass. Dexter Henry on the updates. Couldn't get through tonight. Whatever, whatever. You want to talk to me still? Tomorrow evening. Got another chance. Tomorrow evening after our Yankees coverage, I'm with you till 9 p.m. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartney. We'll keep the conversation going. Until then, Tommy Lugauer is up next right here on WFAN. Sports Radio 101.